millions of people every day are reaping the health benefits of using cannabis oil also known as CBD. This new product derived from hemp has fascinated doctors and scientists around the world for its powerful effects on the human body. If you are in need of alternative methods for health empowerment, please visit www.naturalhempoil.com. That's naturalhempoil.com. CBD is now legal in over 40 states, and our products are non-psychoactive and contain less than 0.3% THC levels. We also offer products for household pets. Naturalhempoil.com does not claim to treat cancer, PTSD, epilepsy, anxiety, insomnia, joint pain, eczema, or any chronic condition that you may have been diagnosed with. Please consult with a doctor before you take CBD. Results may vary, so give our natural CBD a try at www.naturalhempoil.com. That's naturalhempoil.com. Visit naturalhempoil.com. That's naturalhempoil.com. When it comes to stubborn belly fat, we're all searching for a miracle pill. Generally, you have to use multiple products that target belly fat differently to manage excess weight around the stomach. Some products may focus on abdominal exercises or dietary changes, while others might focus on boosting metabolism or controlling cravings. But believe it or not, I may have found a solution that removes the need for juggling through multiple weight management products. It's called Belly Trim, and it's more effective at targeting belly fat, enhancing metabolism, and promoting a toned midsection better than most weight management products I've seen typically found on store shelves. Tens of thousands of five-star reviews back up the notion that Belly Trim is not only a breakthrough in a bottle, but that it also removes the need for us to use countless diet pills and fat-burning supplements. But there's more. If you place your order for Belly Trim now, you'll also receive 51% off free VIP live health and fitness coaching for life, two free new ebooks titled Top 10 Foods That Burn Belly Fat, and Top 10 Exercises to Reduce Belly Fat, a 60-day satisfaction guarantee, and last but not least, free shipping. Simply go to www.trimwithus.com. That's www.trimwithus.com to take advantage of this limited-time deal before they sell out. Once again, that's www.trimwithus.com. Order now. Energy bills are rising at a historic rate, and there's no end in sight. Talk to enough people, and you'll soon realize nearly everyone's shocked at their recent electricity bills. Some studies reveal energy costs have skyrocketed by as high as 60% in as little as two years. That's why tens of thousands are installing this magical little device from SavePowerBills.com to help slash their energy bills. This sophisticated gadget stabilizes electrical currents, reduces dirty electricity, and helps protect your appliances and electronics. Simply plug it into your home wall outlet to help lower energy consumption and ultimately help reduce your power bills every month. Countless five-star reviews back up the notion that this device is one of the most efficient ways to save money while beating the greedy power companies. But there's more. If you order now, you'll also receive 65% off, fast shipping within the USA, hassle-free returns, and last but not least, a 60-day satisfaction guarantee. Just go to SavePowerBills.com to take advantage of this limited-time deal before they sell out. Once again, that's SavePowerBills.com. Violent crime across the U.S. has skyrocketed. Just recently, a politician was carjacked by three armed attackers outside his home in Washington, D.C. This comes several months after another politician was assaulted in the elevator of her building. Between mass shootings, kidnappings, burglaries, and carjackings, it's never been more vital to learn how to protect yourself. This is why tens of thousands are choosing the Fighter Flare Flashlight. The Fighter Flare Flashlight has awed people with a wonderful design and massive light output. On top of an ultra-bright 800-lumen light, it boasts powerful strobe lighting modes for self-defense, a glass breaking hammer, a built-in power bank, solar-powered recharging, rope cutter, siren, and much more. Countless five-star reviews back up the notion that this flashlight is the latest and greatest in the EDC market. But there's more. If you place your order for the Fighter Flare flashlight now, you'll also receive 66% off, free express shipping, and last but not least, a 100% lifetime guaranteed replacement. Simply go to www.fighterflare.com to take advantage of this limited-time deal before they sell out. 
www.fighterflare.com. Order now. Something wicked is coming this way, and only fools are ignoring the signs. So it's time you became a financial prepper like thousands of others. Gold can travel anywhere. It's international. It's its own currency. Allocate to gold now, the timeless safe haven asset. Open an IRA with noble gold investments to physically hold coins and bars and let real, tangible gold, not just paper, save your portfolio as the economy burns again. Right now, Noble Gold Investments offers a free 3-ounce silver American virtue coin with every qualified IRA. Just use the promo code code GOLD to claim your free coin and secure your family's financial future. Go to noblegoldinvestments.com now. noblegoldinvestments.com This performance may not be indicative of future results. Investing in precious metals, including gold, involves risks. Consult with your tax attorney or financial professional before making an investment decision. RPN is not responsible for the views, actions, statements, or opinions of its guests, advertisers, or even its viewers. The information contained in this program is not to be confused with medical or legal advice. An appearance on this platform is not necessarily an endorsement. But as always, we encourage you to do your own research. Enjoy. everyone you're listening to red pill 78 as always my name is zach Payne, the corruption detector and this is another edition of red pill news for friday night live stream joining me in the studio tonight is an innocent man albeit an international fugitive his name is chad Hauer. And the circumstances surrounding his being wanted by international authorities is something I don't know that you're going to believe. Almost too incredible to believe. But tonight we are going to be discussing the circumstances surrounding this case. It all surrounds his son, Alex, who is not missing and is definitely the reason why the authorities are looking for him. Almost too incredible. So do me a favor. If you wouldn't mind, please hit that like button as you come on into the show. If you're over there on the foxhole, hit the red pill. And I would sincerely appreciate it if you also helped by sharing the program. So far, so good. Sit back, relax, and grab your popcorn because we're going to be right back after this. Do you want to take control of your financial future, but you don't know where to start? Well, the team at Noble Gold Investments understands because investing in precious metals can sound confusing, but the team at Noble Gold makes it super easy. Let's hear from some actual Noble Gold Investment customers. The staff answered all my questions and helped me every step of the way. 
No pressure sales tactics, just honest guidance. Securing my future is less stressful thanks to Noble Gold's expertise. So don't settle for financial uncertainty. They'll suggest options to see if you can diversify into gold and silver. And right now, Noble Gold Investments is offering a free 5-ounce silver America the Beautiful bullion coin for every qualified account. Don't settle for financial uncertainty. Noble Gold Investments has an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau and countless five-star reviews. So why wait? Simply go to Noble Gold Investments at my special website, redpill78gold.com, right now. Once again, that's Noble Gold Investments at redpill78gold.com. The link is in the description box below. Noble Gold is the only gold company I trust, and when you support my sponsors, you support this channel. All right, good evening. Welcome back. Thank you so much for sticking around, and please join me in welcoming our guest for this evening, Mr. Chad Howard. Chad, how are you, sir? Pretty good today. Thanks. <laughs> I would imagine it's probably up and down. Uh, so this case uh, is so convoluted, so twisty. It goes back to 2006. I know that you've you've spoken about your case on so many different platforms, but we do have a lot of new people here tonight. So I think we have to get a baseline for just what the heck is going on. How did this all begin? Was it with the divorce and custody battle with your wife or does it stretch back any further? That's a difficult question and not a short answer. Um, I don't want to go off rambling without allowing you to focus in on things, but I guess it depends on which way you look at it. The federal stuff, you could say, started in somewhere between 2006 and 2009 because a lot of it was done in secret. But the origins of the story definitely go back to the divorce in 2001, 2002. And then it also depends on what you believe the actual origins of the story are. Is it simply this quote, custody battle, or is it something else? Because they've tried to extradite me three times. That's as much as Snowden, Assange, and Kim Dodd-Gong combined. And can you name anyone else they've tried to extradite three times? Because I've only found a few people, and they were all linked to Osama bin Laden. So does it make sense that it's over a custody case, especially considering that the child in question is 27 years old now and was never kidnapped? And I wasn't even in the United States at the time, and they also got his birth date wrong and my home state wrong, and they fabricated evidence. Does that make sense over a custody case? So is it a custody case or is it not? No, certainly it seems that the custody case might be some cover for some larger issues. So then I think the question becomes, Chad, I mean, what is your background? What's your history? Is there some reason that you believe the government would want to target you in this way and use the custody as an excuse to get you into some type of a situation? You know, initially, if you had asked me that question, even say two years ago, I would say absolutely not. This is just a custody case because while I do enjoy a good conspiracy theory and entertaining some of them, and some of them certainly are true. I mean, we've seen a lot of the CIA files released, like if you've ever read Legacy of Ashes and so forth. Mm-hmm. But within the last two years, a lot of people have really uh, brought some attention to some things to me. And um, now I've reconsidered and I don't believe it's just over the custody. So regarding all the custody and the arrests and the extraditions and the court documents, I mean, I have all the court documents from multiple countries on that stuff. I have the federal court documents, the state court documents. I can prove everything that happened there, including when they tried to abduct. And I have court documents regarding the attempted abductions as well. So for a long time, even through all that, I just believed it was just the custody. 
But then as I started to talk to other people, everybody's like, this is not just over custody. It, it cannot be. And I just kept saying, no, it's just the government screw up. But then I looked at how many people are involved. And it's, it's just the it's just statistical probability of it being over a custody, especially considering how many things they've lied about and continue to lie about and the number of resources and the many millions of dollars they spent on this. The statistical probability of this just being just over that is just, in my mind, not possible. First of all, this is not a mess up. This was done intentionally. As you look through the court documents, you will see they knew what they were doing the entire time. This is not just like some mistake because for it to be a mistake, first of all, it would have to be a massive mistake on a massive mistake on a massive mistake on a massive mistake. And as you read the court documents, you understand they knew they were lying from the get-go at the federal level. So then the question becomes is why might they want me? And I don't know if we want to jump into that right now because it. Hold, if hold we jump on. into that. Yeah, hold off on it just yet, because I think we, in, in order to understand the the breadth of this larger conspiracy, I mean, because it really does seem like it is a conspiracy. You've got active forces working against you. It's not just the feds. I mean, you've got like state and and local actors that also seem to be involved. And then, of course, we have an international component because the feds are using these international forces to try to put pressure on you. So let, let's go back to the actual custody battle and and talk about the specific lies that were told in order to kind of mount it up in a in an almost ladder like fashion. OK, right before we do that, though, I want to bring in that, you know, they've tried to extradite me from multiple countries and there have been three U.S. embassies in three different countries involved in trying to capture me mm-hmm. Four, sorry, four embassies. So in four different countries. So you're right. It, it's a massive amount. It's like literally a manhunt, except they know where I am. And on top of that, they know where I live. They've always known where I live. Yeah. And they've involved other foreign agencies as well, including the KGB FSB, Mm. to try and capture me, because I lived in Russia for quite a while. So back to the custody battle, which is what you asked about. So um, we got married in 1994 in Kentucky. Um, Both my ex-wife, who, let's say to protect her privacy, I refer to as Vecna. Okay. Have you ever seen Shrek? <laughs> yes, yes, I've seen Stranger Things. <laughs> oh, that tells me as much as I need to know about her and her personality. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to say it's to protect her privacy, but her name is in the court documents if you want to see it. <laughs> so, Mechna and I were both originally from Pennsylvania, but we left Pennsylvania in 1994, 1995. I don't remember exactly. And we had a son who was born in 1996. He was born in Tennessee. We were already living in Tennessee at that point. And so my son, he when he was in the United States, he only ever lived in Tennessee. And in 2001, we separated. Um, the divorce took quite a while because I, I moved overseas pretty much immediately because I gave her the house and I had no place to live. And I was already doing work overseas and I had offers overseas. So I basically moved overseas to Europe right away. And so the divorce took a while because when you don't live in the U.S., it's kind of difficult to get a divorce. And she was just, you know, dragon feet, everything. So we got the divorce and basically she completely was violating the custody, the visitation agreements and custody agreements from the get go. It was violation after violation after violation. And I I would fly to the U.S. and I would have my visitation time and I would show up and they wouldn't be there. So I've flown halfway around the world to come visit them and they just weren't there. It's annoying so enough we when constantly. you live in the same state, <laughs> but when you're yeah. traveling around the world, like I can imagine how frustrating that would be. I'm, I'm a single father, mm-hmm. and I had full custody of my daughter throughout her entire life, and so I, I dealt with much that same issue. So yeah, they, they would, in the phone calls, so everything was interfering. And then in 2004, 
she just got up and disappeared. Mm -hmm. We had no idea where she was other than we, we pretty much suspected she was in Ohio, New York, or Pennsylvania because she had expressed to me that maybe someday she would move there. And I'm sorry, and disappeared had, with your son or just disappeared off the radar? Disappeared with our son and against a court order to do so. So basically, uh, in early 2004, I don't remember how it was communicated to me, uh, I think probably by email. She basically said, um, you know, I, I don't want to live in Tennessee. Uh, she wants to move to Ohio, Pennsylvania, New York to be closest to her parents. Not too close, but, you know, generally closest to her parents. And I, I agreed in principle. Sure. And I told her that I said, well, you know, if that's something you want to do, I'm open to it because I don't live in the U.S. It doesn't really matter to me, but let's discuss it. And if that's what you want to do, then OK. Plus, there, there would have to be a, a, an, an arrangement with the court. I mean, you have to go through something yeah. very specific to make this legal. Yeah, in Tennessee, you require, I think it was two months at the time, you had to notify the court. I don't remember the exact yep. statute, but I think it was two months. So then sometime in the summer, I, I think it was June or July, uh, I rarely got to talk to my son because she was still interfering with, with phone calls. But one time I called and she was outside. And so they would always leave it, go to the answer machine so they could screen it. And, you know, so they didn't have to pick up with me, but... I, I said, hey, it's dad, and he picked up the phone. And at this point, this is 2004, he was seven, almost eight at this point. And so I picked up the phone, and he's like, hey, dad, what's up? And I, you know, I said, well, what's going on? He says, we're moving. <clears throat> and I'm like, oh, boy, um, where are you moving to? And he goes, we're moving to Cherry. And then I hear the front door open, slam, and she picks up the phone and slams it down. Oh, so wow. now I'm calling back over and over to figure out where they're moving to, and they just don't answer. So that was around June or July, something like that, 2004. So we, we filed uh, with the courts, basically <clears throat> demanding that she show up to the court to do a proper transfer to wherever she was going to go. And so they served her with an injunction. Now, it, now, we did not try and stop her from moving whatsoever. The injunction did not say you can't move. All it said was, you, you know, by Tennessee law, you have to come to the court. You got to tell the court where you're going. We have to arrange uh, um, transfer of the custody order, that kind of stuff. And she got up and moved under injunction not to move and just left. Mm -hmm. And so then, you know, now I know Cherry. And that's all I know is Cherry and probably Ohio, Pennsylvania, New York. And then I get a letter postmarked Pittsburgh that basically says, uh, yeah, we've moved. And we're not going to tell you where. We'll let you know when we want um, type thing. Wow. And then she sends a, uh, basically a nasty letter to my mom and one of my sisters telling them what a horrible person I am and so forth and this other thing. So now the Tennessee court's like, okay, well, she's moved and they ordered her to show up at court again and she doesn't. So we had to go through a series of investigative processes and I'm, I'm in Europe. I'm, so I'm calling all over and I'm, you'd be surprised how many places there are called Cherry in three states, right? Sure. And this is 2004. So the internet is not what it is today. You know, Google Maps is pretty basic. I don't think Google Maps existed at all. MapQuest did, but yeah, there wasn't <laughs> much. So I'm, I'm like having people fax me maps and I, and then I got the idea well, I'll start calling school districts mm -hmm. and just seeing my son's enrolled. And I just, I mean, I was calling dozens of school districts in different states and I finally found out where they were. So we flew back to the United States and she wouldn't go back to Tennessee. So we had to go through this whole thing in Pennsylvania and Pennsylvania basically forced her to go back to Tennessee and she didn't want to go. So the Pennsylvania court in December 2004, gave me custody of him immediately. This was after I had to move back to the U.S. So I was in the U.S. for three months um, initially. And then they gave him to me, and there was a court hearing in March 2005 where she had to show up. And the judge in Pennsylvania even transferred custody to me because that was the only way she was going to show up to the court. Mm -hmm. 
And she showed up to the court and she just flat out lied about all, I mean, all kinds of things. It, it got so bad that, um, oh, sorry, this is a later one. But basically what the judge told her was, we're going to modify the custody agreement. And um, the judge said, I'm not quite ready to transfer custody fully yet because the father's overseas. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to order visitation during the summer overseas. So the me, the father gets custody uh, visitation overseas during the summer. And there was like one of the provision during holidays if I wanted or whatever. And she's like, okay, whatever. Give me the son. Give me a son back. So she moves back to, she takes him back to Pennsylvania. And he's been in Pennsylvania before that for like two months illegally. And then the summer comes and she doesn't want to apply for his passport and everything. And, uh, you know, short story, he's not on the plane in the summer. I purchased a plane ticket. He's not on the plane summer of 2005. And the judge told her, he told her, listen, you, you know, you violate this order. I'm going to transfer custody to the father. And she did. She violated the order right away. So then I had to fly back to the United States again, and the judge in Tennessee in August transferred full custody to me. Uh, but she was in Pennsylvania at this time, so she's like, I don't care, piss off, judge. So the judge in Pennsylvania had to order back to Tennessee again. She went, and I got full custody. Well, I already had full custody, but the judge ordered him transfer to me. It got so bad that her lawyers would keep quitting on her because she was lying to her lawyers. Oh, wow. And the judge was – the judge – brought one of her previous lawyers in and put him on the stand actually subpoenaed him to the stand and he was he basically said everything she said was a lie and so the judge and i have the transcripts of all this it's never a good sign for the all this. yeah when your own lawyer comes back on the stand and testifies against you oh man so so i'd already had custody but she just didn't transfer him so at that point i got transferred he moved overseas and then so the next summer came and she had some reservation. I knew it was going to be a problem, but I abided every, I abided by every quarter or two a T. So in 2006, I sent him back to the summer with her, and I knew it would be a problem. So as soon as he got there in the summer, 2006, I couldn't call. There was nothing. And then in August, she files for emergency transfer custody back to her again. <laughs> and the Pennsylvania judge says, no, um, no whatsoever. She says, well, I don't care. I'm not putting him on a plane. back. I'm not sending him back to Europe. And the judge had to have police remove him from her again. Wow. Okay. Poor kid. Put him on a plane. Yeah. And so the judge, I mean, have the orders of all this. The judge orders him to be put on a plane back to Europe to, uh, through London. And so September 1st or September 2nd, 2006, the judge or has police put him back on a plane. So he arrives back <clears throat> in Europe. And then she calls the police sometime a bit later and says, I've come into the house and taken him out. The problem is he's in school in Europe. And everybody knows where he is, from the judge to his mother to everyone. And then the judge actually decides to interfere and give her temporary custody for some reason on November 6th. And then she, her phone gets disconnected, so I can't even talk to her anymore. And then she gets the FBI involved. The FBI shows my mom's house. And long story short, they send the KGB FSB after me in Russia. They send the Cyprus embassy after me. And then she gets them listed on NICMIC. Meanwhile, she has completely disappeared again. I mean, December 2006, she disconnects her phone, and I have very little contact for her. And then later, she her house gets sold, and I have no mailing address even for her. Wow. And she says he's missing, gets him listed on NICMIC, and the FBI charges me for kidnapping on November 6, 2006. The problem is I wasn't in the United States at the time. Mm-hmm. Worse yet, on the FBI website, it says I'm a Titusville man. I've never lived in Titusville in my life. I've never spent a single night there or in the county that it's even in. So... 
you know, they're listing me as a Titus man. And to do this, the judge lists him as being born in Pennsylvania, which he wasn't born in Pennsylvania. So his, one of his reasons for taking emergency jurisdiction over this was the child was born in Pennsylvania, except he wasn't. He was born in Tennessee. So, so they stated he was born in Pennsylvania. They stated him from Titusville. And they stayed with the United States, November 6th. And in the same testimony, the FBI testifies that I have not been in the United States since June 2006. I was in uh, the U.S. for June 2006 for one week, and I was in Boston. And Boston is in Massachusetts, not Pennsylvania. Right. And to make it worse, on the FBI website, it just says I retained my son, which, first of all, I did not do. But the actual indictment says that I actually physically removed him from the United States November 6th when I wasn't even there. Right. And that's what they told the press and everyone else. So the press ran with kidnapping. Worst yet, they didn't even, most of the press, the headlines were not even like custody. It was like international kidnapper. Yeah. And they were calling, the FBI was called, the FBI called up my lawyers and tried to get my lawyers to quit the case. <laughs> and the FBI was showed up my mom's house. The FBI contacted people I went to high school with. People think I killed this. They they got kidnapped and killed somebody. Wow. So let's let's go back to when everything started to go wrong because it seemed like the judge in Pennsylvania, and I mean, obviously, there's a pattern of behavior with your wife. People can see that she's lying. They can see that, you know, you have been given legal custody. There is a precedent that's been set. There are records that can be reviewed. Was there a change of venue? Like, was it a different judge who gave her or no. was it the same judge who suddenly flipped and decided to ignore like the birth certificate and all of the other prior yep. information? Same judge. And the worst part is a Pennsylvania judge. See, the thing is, the the, the Tennessee order said it held exclusive jurisdiction until the child was 18. Sure. Because I didn't think it was fair for her to have to come to Europe to dispute anything, right? Mm -hmm. So we asked the judge, and the judge held it to his 18. That's the only state my son's ever lived in legally. He spent a few months in Pennsylvania illegally. And the judge in Pennsylvania never even changed the venue. In fact, he said the Tennessee order was still valid. He just took temporary emergency jurisdiction. And worse yet, he made it a temporary, what's called an interlocutory order. Mm -hmm. And those are unappealable in the state of Pennsylvania. You cannot even appeal them. And they're supposed to have expiration dates, but he never he didn't put any expiration date on it. It took us... 15 or 16 years to dismiss the order. Wow. And that order was dismissed, by the way. So the Pennsylvania order has been dismissed. So I was charged on an order that's been dismissed, and the feds just keep going after this thing because the feds absolutely lied. They knew what they were doing in court when they went through this. They wanted to make this big deal out of it, and they've tried to extradite three times. I mean, I spent time in Bulgarian prison. I, it was Also, this was done the federal court was done in a secret federal grand jury. You know, normally, yeah, grand juries of deliberations are secret. But normally they will go to the defendants and say, listen, we're planning on charging you. I mean, everybody like I'm not going to get into the politics of Trump, but everybody knew the grand jury was coming. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. In my case, they didn't contact me. They didn't contact my lawyers. They didn't do any of that. They just did it in secret. And then I got arrested in Bulgaria. And worse yet, when they did it, they knew exactly where I lived. And they've shown court records proving that they knew we were in St. Kitts at the time. We went to France for several months for one of my kids needed surgery. And I was also speaking in Belgium and the Netherlands, and my conference schedule is all over the Internet. So anybody that wanted to know where I was, all they'd do is put my name in Google. And they could have arrested me in uh, Belgium or the Netherlands or France or St. Kitts, but they didn't because they don't want to arrest me on home turf in St. Kitts. Mm -hmm. And they don't want me in a nice prison in France or Belgium, Netherlands, because they knew I was going to Bulgaria in September. So they waited until September to put me in Interpol to have me in the worst possible prison because they knew they couldn't extradite me if I fought it. And they wanted me just to give up, like Sam Bankman Freed when he was in the Bahamas prison. Yep. The first day he's like, I'm going to fight the man. Three days later, he's like, take me, take me. And that's what they wanted to do to me. So they purposely put me in the Bulgarian prison. They made sure I was in one of the worst ones. 
even when we asked to be transferred, for me to be transferred to one of the newer ones, they resisted. They fought me in every tooth and nail in Bulgaria. And when my extradition was denied, they started bribing police officers to try and keep me in the country and get me rearrested again. The FBI started bribing police officers. I mean, certainly Bulgaria is probably like lowest on the human rights scale compared to all of those other westernized nations that you went to. Okay, so what do we know about the judge? Is there something special about this judge? Does he have some connection to your wife or to her family? Or is there some benefit he's receiving from proceeding in this way? Or is he just incompetent? He's a total incompetent moron. Okay, so then what? What about the uh, the FBI? Uh, I, I mean, you, you mentioned that they made, they made you appear to be as some you know criminal mastermind. I mean, in Bulgaria, they called me the American Taliban. The American Taliban. Okay, are there some claims that they have made about you, like suggesting that that you're a terrorist or something? I don't know exactly all the claims they made about me. But I do know several times they have claimed that I was a, a drug kingpin to several governments. And are you um, a drug kingpin? Kits. No. Okay. Just want to <laughs> no, get it out of the way. <laughs> in fact, this is where it gets kind of deep because in Bulgaria, I was, I was passed through several prisons over a period of three months. And it wasn't just one prison they called me the American Taliban. I got to another prison and they called me the American Taliban. And I'm like, how, how did I mean, like these two prisons are not communicating. They're in two different cities. Mm-hmm. They're like a three hour drive from each other. And still I'm getting called the American Taliban. And I found out later that the, the American somebody on the FBI side or, you know, I, when I, I there are so many alphabet agencies. I mean, yeah, logistically, there's the Department of Justice. There's the U.S. Embassy. There's RSOs. There's FBI. Everybody's involved here. I'm not going to get into the detail, but the FBI was the lead on everything. Okay. So, I mean, I had an FBI agent visit me in Bulgarian prison. Um, so the FBI has been involved. I have court records showing that the FBI asked the U.S. Embassy, the FBI attache in Moscow to um, basically come check on me. And they sent the KGB FSB to uh, our, our former residence in Russia to check on me and basically harass us. Um, so, I mean, they, you know, I have court records showing their involvement in all these different things. And it's just insane the number of things that that they've done on this. So, and this entire time, I mean, it's clear your son is not missing. He's been with you. He's been healthy. He's been happy. Did any of these agencies ever, you know, think to perhaps speak with him? Or is is there an issue because he was a minor? Well, in in the case, even more interesting because... Um, they showed up in the Caribbean and they tried to physically abduct him. Oh, wow. And a member of the U.S. Embassy was expelled by the Attorney General over that attempt. Wow. <laughs> and I have records of this, too, and he talks about it because he was 13 at the time. He remembers it. He's done news interviews where he talked about the time the FBI tried to kidnap him. So so what happened? What exactly happened? How did that go down? Well, I was in Bulgarian prison at the time. Okay. Oh, so they and knew you were so, weak. They, they knew they could swoop in, probably. Yeah, so in 2009, when I was in Bulgarian prison, an RSO, which is a regional security officer, flew from Barbados to St. Kitts, which requires two flights. There's no direct flights, okay? So it's like 600 miles. And he shows up at the door of our house, and he's like, I'm here to take the child. And my wife, my my second wife is like, "Uh, no, you don't have any local court orders whatsoever. In fact, you don't even have a U.S. court order. He's like, yes, I do on my telephone. <laughs> He's like showing a, sure. a screenshot of a U.S. court order. <laughs> and he went down to the like 
a branch office of the police in St. Kitts, not not even the headquarters. He went to like a branch, an outpost, and grabbed like the lowest police officer he could find, like a traffic officer or something. Some, somebody he he's could like, I'm from control. the U.S. Embassy. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so he's there with the police officer and my wife. It told the police officer, he's like, listen, this guy has no St. Kitts court orders. You better bugger off right away. So she gets a lawyer on the phone and um, ends up getting the attorney general on the phone and some other things. And the uh, the RSO from U.S. Embassy in Barbados is flashing his you know credentials and everything. He's like, well, I'm going to come back and cut these cut the burglar bars right off your door and take the child away. Holy jeez. So, so we had to get a senior police officer to come and basically take him away. And so the next day he was summoned into the attorney general's office and he was told, you will leave the country within 24 hours or otherwise you'll be diplomatically expelled. And if you come back, you'll be seeing the inside of one of the oldest operating prisons in the world because St. Kitts has a prison that's been operating since like 1830 or something. Sure, sure. And he basically told him, you better leave. He says, he basically, listen, I don't want a diplomatic incident, so bugger off and there won't be any problems, but don't come back. And then the government of St. Kitts basically told the United States government, with regards to Mr. Howard, don't bother coming back here. So they tried an extradition. It was denied immediately because of that, on top of the other reason. And they also told, they went, they came to court, and they t- they filed documents saying that the child was now an orphan because I was in prison in Bulgaria, so I couldn't care for him, and I was going to be extradited. They said, even before my extradition proceedings were complete, they told the St. Kitts government I was going to be extradited or I was going to be in U.S. custody, so the child was an orphan. They should hand him over. They're like, no. So then his mother shows up, and her now the interesting thing is her passport was suspended because she owes me like $30,000 in child support, which she's never paid a dime. They suspended right. her passport. <clears throat> the FBI got her passport back for her and used a special fund to pay for her flight down to the Caribbean and pay for her hotel and pay for her lawyer and pay for her international cell phone. So she got a free vacation to the Caribbean. Your tax dollars <laughs> at work. <laughs> she went to court, tried to change custody to her so she could take him home. And local courts are like, nope, father's got custody. And she's like, but he's in prison. And they're like, doesn't matter. He's with his stepmom. And um, the really strange thing was she hadn't seen him in a few years because she disappeared. We didn't know where she lived. So she, um, they gave her visitation rights, though. So she had, uh, she had visitation rights with them from like 8 to 5 every other day while she stayed on the island. And she could have stayed on the island. So she came down. She was there like four or five days. She spent almost no time with him. The few days she had him, she ran him around to lawyers. And every lawyer was like, nope, nope, nope. She just kept running different lawyers. And then the, as soon as the court denied her the right to take him back, she had an open ticket. She changed her flight and flew home immediately. Now, if you're a mother who hasn't seen your child in a few years yeah. and you're claiming he's kidnapped, don't you think you'd hang around the island a bit? Mm-hmm. No, she takes off the next day. And then for over 10 years, we don't get so much as a single letter from her. And meanwhile, the whole time, his grandmother on his mom's side, so his mother's mother, I'm calling her almost every month to talk to her. And she's sending birthday cards and letters. And we're communicating with her mother the whole time. And she still says to that day that she never has any idea where he is. The missing poster is still in the National Center of Missing and Exploited Children. It was up until last year. It was up until 2022. He was 26 years old before they removed the poster off of the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. And it said, whereabouts unknown. It didn't say he was in St. Kitts, even though the FBI had been there, she had been there, and they kept making me look like this horrible kidnapper. And worse yet, we had lawyers contact them even as far back as 2008, asking them to remove it. 
And they said, no, we won't remove it. It's going to take a court order. But the worst thing was they didn't need a court order to put it up. In fact, that poster was used as evidence to charge me with kidnapping. And then they refused to take it down. And you know what got it taken down? We had lawyer after lawyer, and they said, we will never take it down to the court order. Even though the Pennsylvania case was dismissed, they still wouldn't take down the poster. You want to give one guess what got the poster taken down? Uh, Maybe your TikTok? (laughs) Yeah. I made a viral TikTok. I tagged the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. Within 24 hours, his poster is gone, and they blocked me on TikTok. (laughs) They're like, yeah, we don't want anything to do with you, Mr. Hauer. Let me just show everybody your TikTok right now. If you guys are on TikTok, go follow Chad because this, like I said, the story is so twisty. He's got many, many videos. You can find him at Kudzu the Raccoon on TikTok. He's also on Instagram at chad.hauer. The links to both of those can be found on Chad's website, which is entitled alexisnotmissing.com. Probably one of the the best uh, URLs I've heard to date. Um, Chad, I've got so many more questions, uh, but we need to take a break for the second portion of the show. So we're going to be right back in just a moment. Don't go anywhere because the story gets deeper. You know, a lot of people don't understand that digestive issues are frequently caused by a toxin that's present in virtually all of the, quote, healthy foods scientists have been telling us to eat with their fraudulent food pyramid for the longest time. And according to Dr. Gundry, who is a world-renowned cardiologist and best-selling author, it's these toxins that cause the issues so many people face. Millions of people nationwide are living in agony every single day. And the warning signs include weight gain, fatigue, digestive discomfort, stiff and achy joints, and even skin problems. And you see, Dr. Gundry explains these side effects are often mistaken for the normal signs of aging because they usually develop over a matter of years. You see, this is progressive. In some cases, it even takes decades. And because we've been lied to, you probably have no idea that the damage to your digestive system is likely caused by these health foods, and it's far from normal. Now, the good news is you can fix this yourself from the comfort of your own home. It's really very simple. You just have to know which foods are actually healthy and which foods contain this hidden toxin. So you can find out for yourself by clicking the link in the description below. GutCleanseProtocol.com forward slash Zach. Once again, that's gutcleanseprotocol.com forward slash Z-A-K. Because after years of research, Dr. Gundry has decided to release an informative video to the public, totally free and uninterrupted, showcasing exactly which foods you need to avoid. So once again, click the link in the description below to visit gutcleanseprotocol.com forward slash Zach and find that free video. You're going to thank me for it because it's totally free. And when you support my sponsors, you support this channel. All right. Welcome back, everyone. Thank you for sticking around. couple of quick comments over on the foxhole. Duppy says, well, it's nice to know you can still disappear if you really want to. Uh, it's interesting because they know where you are, but apparently they just don't try that hard. Uh, and then also thank you to Ohio Kimmy for dropping a cookie. Uh, Von Hitch, who says, happy Friday, everyone. Don't forget to laugh. And Porpoiseful dropping a cookie as well. Also, uh, Space Wanderer 77 says, Mercies is greater than Gundry. I don't know who that is, but, uh, yeah, no worries. And then also D-Tech says, Zach is the man. Thank you for your hard work and shows. So, so now, Chad, the question is, um, what's so special about your ex-wife? What does she do? What are her connections? And, uh, why would the FBI give her such a free pass to come there to try to steal your son back? 
Well, uh, without meaning to insult her, but she's a nobody. She uh, is on welfare, has no job, maybe a part-time job. She's a cat lady. She has a bunch of cats, and that's about it. She once told our son that work should be fun, and if it's not fun, then don't work. And she told him why she couldn't work at McDonald's. She worked at Walmart for a very short time, and then she faked an injury and got on disability. Mm. So she doesn't work as far as I know. In fact, the letter she wrote to the judge two years ago, when we took her to court and got dismissed, she wrote to the judge this big letter about, oh, I can't afford to come to the court because I don't have a car and I don't even, all I have is an old button phone that's prepaid. Can you call me? And she just wrote this huge pity letter to the judge. So yeah, she's probably got 50 cats. She's always been into cats. So she's probably <laughs> 50 cats and has no job. She's a nobody. So they're not doing this because of her. They're doing it for some other reason. And the other, the other way people can find me really easily is Google TikTok fugitive. I'm um, the TikTok fugitive. Yeah, so. TikTok fugitive. All right. So if your, yeah, your ex-wife she's, she's is a, a nobody, she's a cat lady. <clears throat> it's not like she's uh, this is not her not official cover. She's, she's not a closet CIA agent. She's not running ops in the background. So what do you what do you actually do for a living? I mean, uh, can you think of any reason based upon your mm-hmm. actions that the government would be so hyper focused on you? Yes, I can. Okay, let's do it. And this is where it starts to get conspiratorial. Now, everything I've talked about so far, I have court documents to prove everything that I've said to this point so far. Mm-hmm. Moving into this next section, I don't have proof of everything. I do have some proof of some of this stuff. Um, and this is where people have really brought me around because for years I just I said, no, it's just, you know, it's an overzealous FBI agent. But the more I've looked at it and the more people have brought my attention to certain things that have happened to me in the past that I I never really connected the pieces. I just, I don't believe this is over the custody at all because it makes no sense. I've been trapped on, I was trapped on St. Kitts. I mean, I almost died several times because for lack of healthcare, because the hospital in St. Kitts is so small. Mm -hmm. St. Kitts only has 35,000 people. The hospital is extremely basic. And I almost died several times and I still need surgery that's not available in St. Kitts. Only in the last three months have I received some better health care. <clears throat> there was about a year I could barely talk. And the FBI is aware of my medical condition. They basically said in court, then I can die. In fact, they said that if I wanted to turn myself in, the only way I could turn myself in was to turn myself into the embassy in St. Kitts. But there is no embassy in St. Kitts, U.S. Embassy. And they knew that. They were just trying to get out of court again. And so if I travel, I'm still in Interpol Red, then they're going to arrest me and they're trying to extradite me for a fourth time. So I've been trapped on the tiny island of St. Kitts without adequate medical care, and the FBI knows it, and their plan is to let me die because they want us to go away because they want to cover up what they did. So as far as why they might be interested in me, um, first of all, I have not worked in well over 10 years because my health was so severely bad. Uh, But when I did work, I was a software developer and public speaker for many large multinational companies, most notably would be Microsoft. I was a Microsoft regional director worldwide. I was a Microsoft um, developer uh, advisor with a territory of 85 countries. I worked for Microsoft Middle East and Africa. I have lived in 12 countries. I've worked in 12 countries. Um, The United States, Russia, Turkey, Cyprus, Jordan, Bulgaria, France, and St. Kitts. And I'm sure I forgot something there. I can go through the whole list of where. But uh, I've lived in, you know, several parts of the Middle East, including Russia. And... So I had this big territory of 85 countries, and I spent most of my career, I mean, I worked in Western Europe as well. I worked in Asia. 
But I spent a lot of my time working in Saudi Arabia, Pakistan, um, Kenya, and a lot of really interesting places like that. And also, where, where it gets really interesting is that I, I started having problems with the U.S. government in 2002. Um, and I have to be careful how I phrase this because it's not connected to it's not connected directly to 9/11. Because when I bring this up, people are like, "Oh, you're you're really, you're not have no, I have nothing to do with 9/11." But what happened after 9/11 was the U.S. intelligence agencies all became turbocharged and they yeah. went absolutely bonkers insane. Okay, so the working theory is that I got tangled up in that mess. So basically, they they turbocharged this. And they had an interest in me, which I will get into why they had an interest in me and why I have evidence of them having an interest in me. And then I, I kind of got snared up in the intelligence turbocharging from 9-11. It has nothing to do with a direct connection to 9-11. I want to be careful of that because I don't want anybody thinking I'm a 9-11 conspiracy nut that I have nothing to do with that. Mm -hmm. Although I did end up within 40 miles of Osama bin Laden before they found him quite by accident on one of my Pakistan trips. Okay. But I didn't know <clears> at the time. So, yeah, I got within 40 miles of Osama, but I did not know it at the time. That was 2007. Um, did they did they attempt did they try did they attempt to connect you to Osama bin Laden by that physical proximity? Uh not by that, but by something else. Okay. Sort okay. of. Okay. All right. By I, my interrogation. I don't want to derail you. Keep going. Yeah. Um, yeah. We we need to circle back to that point because okay. yes, they they did try and connect me to um, terrorism and other things. Um, first of all, remember what I talked about the 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 accusations of being a drug kingpin. Yes. They did that to me in St. Kitts after the extradition failed to try and make me a persona non grata to get me uh, deported. Mm -hmm. But I'm a dual citizen. They're, they revoked my U.S. passport, but I have a Caribbean passport as well, and they can't touch that one. <laughs> but the first accusation of me being a drug kingpin go back to 2002, which is really interesting because that's long before <clears throat> any of this custody stuff happened. Right, right. Back then, um, it would have been after the divorce, but by that time, we, I don't even think we had any court filing. The divorce was done. We had just had to do a custody agreement. There were no real major disputes at that point. So what that demonstrates is the U.S. government was interested in me long prior to any of this custody stuff. Mm -hmm. Now, what happened there was it was um, late 2002. I don't know the exact date, but it would have been the, the fourth quarter of 2002. And I have documentation of this as well. They uh, told the federal police of Cyprus that I was a drug kingpin and the federal police showed up at our door and raided our house. And found nothing. And uh, found nothing. Mm -hmm. Found some dirty underwear and things like that. And the federal police had to basically apologize to us. And, and we did. were asking them like, where? Wow. Yeah. Wow. Because they didn't want to, They didn't want us to sue them. Sure. They didn't want us to sue them because they basically acted on unqualified, uh, on an unqualified tip. Mm-hmm. And so we did some investigation, and um, we several sources led it back to the U.S. Embassy in Cyprus. Did so the U.S. Embassy in Cyprus reported me as a drug dealer to the federal authorities of Cyprus. Had you had any overt contacts with the embassy there or anybody who worked at the embassy? Yes. Okay. Um, prior to that, see, at the time, 
we were trying to get my, I, I remarried in 2002 uh, because the divorce took over a year and I, I remarried almost immediately after the divorce because I was, I was already reengaged and we were just basically waiting for the divorce to be processed. Sure. So when the divorce was processed, I got remarried right away in Cyprus. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and so we'd gone to the embassy to get a visa and there was a visa officer that was very rude to my wife. And I, I, I talked to the, um, not the ambassador, but one of the senior staff there and basically filed a complaint against her. And so we thought that she did that. She, we thought she just like it was retribution. But wow. after we did some investigation, we realized that a low-level visa officer would not have the power to do what she did, number one. Okay. And then looking back on this, we realized that the U.S. Embassy, that was the first real contact that the U.S. government would have had with my, with my new wife. And is okay. she American or is she from another country? She's Russian. She's Russian. Oh, okay. All right. So maybe that might have piqued their interest. Well, what's interesting about this is they had a file on her. Okay. Okay. And she's just to, you know, put it out there. She's, she's not FSB or KGB or anything like that. Mm. <laughs> Was, is your wife now, or has she ever been an employee of the Russian government? <laughs> no, but no, but there is some background here. Okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> Mm. So, um, well, I think we should backtrack to that. So <laughs> go I'm going to put a pin in that one. Okay. Okay. Um, but they had a file on her ready to go, which is information that we, we never gave them. So that, yeah. you know, kind of piqued my interest. And then um, we, there were some hard evidence that we linked it back to the embassy. I can get into that, but we've got so much other things to cover, but there's yeah. hard evidence that links it back to the embassy. But I still at the time just wrote it off to that thing and I never realized it. But then, um, See, I, I got put on the – I lived in Russia. I, I moved to Russia in early 2001 prior to 9-11. I was in Russia when 9-11 happened. Yes, and, and this is this and, is in, in the course of your work at Microsoft? Um, no. No. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> um, okay, so I was working in Europe. I was not working for Microsoft at the time, but I was working for large international corporations at the time. Okay. okay. My first time I worked for Microsoft would have been 2004, but I was still some big news. From the 90s forward, I was, I was one of the top leaders. I was one of the top people in my industry. In fact, when Microsoft hired me, I was a targeted hire because I was considered one of the top experts in the world on certain specific subjects regarding software development. Okay. Okay. So was I was like an international se- conference se- speaker security? from the mid-90s. I was already speaking... Uh, well, I was software development in general, but I was already okay. I was already an international conference speaker. Yeah, speaking at dozens of conferences around the world. So yeah. I, I was well known. Field. I'd written books, magazine articles, all kinds of things. Yeah, before the FBI destroyed my career. So, okay, so here's where it goes. So I was working in Europe. I met my current wife, who I'm still married to, and have who I have two more children with. And um, it didn't matter where I really lived because I had you know had separated and I met her. So. I had been traveling through Europe, staying in different places, and I, I went to, I'd met her in Spain, and I said, well, I'm going to come visit you in Russia. And I'd actually been to Russia before. I was in Russia in 2000. So my first trip to Russia was December 2000 to Siberia. <laughs> so I went to visit my wife, and um, I just didn't leave Russia. I mean, I traveled back and forth, but I, we just, we, we got on really well, and I just stayed in Russia. And... Um, I, I didn't have a place to live anyway, so I just lived there, and, and we've been married for more than 20 years. So that's my Russia connection. Okay. <clears throat> but my wife has never worked for the Russian government. 
but her family's another story. Mm-hmm. And I want to be very careful how I, how I speak about this too to protect their privacy. But um, both of her parents worked in a military factory on Russian military planes. Okay. And they were senior engineers, which have direct knowledge of the avionics of the planes. Not like they could get access to it. I mean, they have direct knowledge because they were the electrical engineers on those planes. Okay. And they were senior engineers. So when we got engaged, they had to report me to the Russian government to say our daughter is engaged to a foreigner and he's living in Russia, mm-hmm. which is standard practice, even in the U.S. I had sure. a friend that he worked for some U.S. agency in the U.S., and I don't remember which one it was, but he worked for some agency, and he was married to a Russian lady, and he had to report her, and the FBI put her on the watch list. That's standard practice when Absolutely. you're married to a foreigner. Yeah. So I was traveling a lot in and out of Russia. Uh, the FSB, KGB, what are you going to call them? Because, yeah. I typically refer to KGB because Westerners don't know they're actually right. called the FSB now or FESBA. Yep, yep. And they're basically, they just got renamed. So from here on out, if I call them KGB, FSB, whatever you want to call them. It's no problem. But yep. they made it, yeah, they made it known that I was on their watch list. Mm-hmm. But they never bothered me because I was traveling a lot. I was going to Germany. Um, I went to Australia in 2002. I was traveling in and out. So it, it already looks suspicious that I'm hooked up with these people's daughter. I'm living in a city which used to be a closed city, which is no longer. Mm-hmm. They're still working in the factory. I mean, I'm, I've been clo- I've been up close to the planes. I have photos of me in, a, in an SU-27. Oh wow! I mean, sitting in the cockpit. Yeah, I've sat in the cockpit of an SU-27. I have photos of it. It's pretty sweet. So, and um, so what would happen is, first of all, typically at that time, most of the immigration agents were older ladies, and they just were bored. You know, they didn't do anything, and they'd just be like typing in, and you could see them people going through typing in. And as soon as I swipe my passport, you could see something on the screen flash, and they would, like, wake up. Yep, yep. And so every time I came in out of the country, I had to ask permission, first of all. I had to go to a special office and tell the Russian government, I, like, 48 hours ahead of time, I'm leaving the country. And I had to get a special exit stamp and a special entry stamp when I came back. But as I was leaving immigration, they would always pick up a phone and call. Millions of people every day are reaping the health benefits of using cannabis oil, also known as CBD. This new product derived from hemp has fascinated doctors and scientists around the world for its powerful effects on the human body. If you are in need of alternative methods for health empowerment, please visit www.naturalhempoil.com. That's www.naturalhempoil.com. CBD is now legal in over 40 states, and our products are non-psychoactive and contain less than 0.3% THC levels. We also offer products for household pets. NaturalHempOil.com does not claim to treat cancer, PTSD, epilepsy, anxiety, insomnia, joint pain, eczema, or any chronic condition that you may have been diagnosed with. Please consult with a doctor before you take CBD. Results may vary, so give our natural CBD a try at www.NaturalHempOil.com. That's www.NaturalHempOil.com. Energy bills are rising at a historic rate, and there's no end in sight. That's why tens of thousands are using this amazing little device from SavePowerBills.com. It's a small but smart gadget that stabilizes electrical currents, reduces dirty electricity, and helps protect your electronics. Just plug it into your home's wall outlet to help lower energy consumption and ultimately help reduce your power bills every month. Order now to get 65% off plus many free bonuses before they sell out by going to SavePowerBills.com. That's SavePowerBills.com. Order now. 
Energy bills are rising at a historic rate, and there's no end in sight. That's why tens of thousands are using this amazing little device from SavePowerBills.com. It's a small but smart gadget that stabilizes electrical currents, reduces dirty electricity, and helps protect your electronics. Just plug it into your home's wall outlet to help lower energy consumption and ultimately help reduce your power bills every month. Order now to get 65% off plus many free bonuses before they sell out by going to SavePowerBills.com. That's SavePowerBills.com. Order now. Violent crime across the U.S. has skyrocketed. Between mass shootings, homicides, kidnappings, burglaries, and carjacking, it's never been more vital to learn how to protect yourself. This is why tens of thousands are choosing the Fighter Flare Flashlight. The Fighter Flare Flashlight includes an ultra-bright 800-lumen light, powerful strobe lighting modes for self-defense, a glass-breaking hammer, a built-in power bank, solar-powered recharging, rope and wire cutter, siren, high and low LED lighting modes, and much more. Simply place your order now to get 66% off along with many other free bonuses before they sell out by going to www.fighterflare.com. Order now at www.fighterflare.com fighterflare.com A human catastrophe is closing in. Nobody knows how far this one is going to go. You can feel the heat as tension is rising globally. War is expensive. Open a Noble Gold Investments IRA today, and you can claim a free 3-ounce silver American virtue coin. Just use the promo code GOLD. Go to NobleGoldInvestments.com now. This performance may not be indicative of future results. Investing in precious metals, including gold, involves risks. Consult with your tax attorney or financial professional before making an investment decision. Clear me in and out as well. They always made it clear. And there were a couple times that they pulled me aside into another room. And they never identified themselves as the FSB KGB, but it was clear who they were, okay? Absolutely. These were not the airport janitors, right? Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, they were always friendly, and they, were, they would ask me questions like, where are you going? Where are you from? Where do you live? Who are you married to? Who are you engaged to at the time, depending on where it was? And I was just, I was always calm because I, I knew what was going on, right? Sure. And I, I would just tell him, and then I would be like, listen, guys, I know I'm on your watch list. I, I got nothing to hide. What do you want to know? And they're like, okay, pretty much cool. And they're like, okay, you can go on your way. And that happened a few times. Um, one time they, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> one time they got from the airport. <clears throat> so I'm showing up at the airport. I'm going to get a taxi. And they're there with a sign of my name on it. They're like, um, come with us. <laughs> so I get in a black car. And they're like, I want to ask you a few questions. And I'm like, they're like, we're going to give you a ride home. Like, you know where I live? Like, don't worry. We know where you live. <laughs> so, we know everything. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Oh. And that was about it. But I never had any problems with them. And I got to be honest, I, I never really thought anything about it. It was just, this was my life. It was normal. But the Americans found out I was on the watch list. And they never seemed to originally understand why I was on the watch list. Mm-hmm. And I also got denied entry to Canada over a bureaucratic bumble in the 90s, which was nothing, but it put me on some, it, it put some flags in my passport. Mm-hmm. I got pulled aside one time in Europe by an agency. I don't remember the country. I think it was Germany, but I don't remember exactly. And they were questioning me, and I was like, listen, yeah, this is my wife's parents. I'm on the watch list. And they're like, okay. But when I started coming to the U.S., uh, because I was still traveling to the U.S. a lot, I, I got pulled aside by the TSA in some pretty serious encounters. I'm not talking like I'm not talking like an extended search. I'm talking serious encounters. And if we go into these, it'll take almost probably a half an hour to an hour to go through some of my experiences with the TSA. But they were serious. Um, I got detained by the TSA. Now, if you detain a foreign, it's one thing, but detain a, a U.S. citizen is another thing. I got detained. I got extra searched. I had escorts following me around airports. 
I had state police following me one time in reports. I mean, it was it was serious stuff. And at the time, I got to be honest, I still never thought a whole lot about it. I was just like, this is weird, but, you know, what am I going to do? And then when I worked for Microsoft, see, I was working in the Middle East. And um, I had uh, three different intelligence agencies trying to recruit me. And I know this sounds crazy, too, but the thing is, if you read books like The Legacy of Ashes, which is not a conspiratorial book at all. I mean, yeah. it's, it's even by, you know, experts and former CIA agents, they will tell you this is the book to read. And one thing they'll tell you about recruitment is that it's, it's much easier to recruit somebody who has a cover mm-hmm. than it is to recruit somebody and build a cover. So I was traveling in and out of countries with ease to places that most Americans could never go mm-hmm. because I worked for Microsoft. I mean, I had countries deny me my visas. I've had ambassadors apologize to me because they deny me my visa. And I get on the phone to Microsoft and Microsoft would make one call to the Ministry of Foreign Affairs to that country. And they call the, the embassy and tell them, give that guy his visa. Mm-hmm. So I had a Saudi ambassador actually apologize to me one time because he gave me a hassle. And I wasn't trying to get them in trouble. I just needed the visas. Sure. I was snuck across the border of Saudi Arabia one time by the royal family. No, I'm not making that up. Wow. Because of my visa had a problem. <laughs> um, I've met with high-level officials in Saudi, in Pakistan, in Egypt, all these places. I mean, cabinet, cabinet members of these countries. I was wined and dined by these countries. Uh, because Microsoft would say that, you know, the, the, whatever department wants to talk about technology, can you get on a plane tomorrow and I'll be on a plane tomorrow. And, um, so I got wind and dined by these places and there were three recruitment attempts and at the time I didn't think much about it because one of them was really, actually two of them were really clear. Mm-hmm. The third one at the time wasn't really clear, but I realized now it was a recruitment attempt by foreign intelligence agencies. And again, yeah, this was and- just my life. I kind of wrote all this stuff off. I didn't really think about it. But when you connect all these things up together with what happened to me in Bulgaria and what's continued to happen me by then, you know, the, the working, the best theory, and I, and I cannot prove this, but everything points to the fact that some stupid CIA or some other intelligence officer that's a stupid moron had some kind of wet dream that thought I could get information out of my wife's parents or I could turn on them. Yep. And they wanted to get custody and they had these other countries trying to recruit me. And after I kept turning them down, that they decided, well, he has this custody problem, so let's make it federal. Let's, um, you know, let's have an FBI agent. Let's set him up. And I, I'm not the FBI agent doesn't know anything about this. They just set him up and sh- you know shot him down the track. Yep, yep. And they made this mess. And their idea was to get me in custody, and then come in and say, hey, we'll let you out if you work for us. And they have a history of this too. In fact, Edward Snowden yep, yep. said one of his turning points was when he was working for the CIA in Switzerland. A CIA officer went to. Um, he invited a uh, Swiss banker. They wanted uh, they wanted information on certain Americans' bank accounts, mm-hmm. and so they invited a Swiss banker to dinner. They got him lubed up with alcohol. They encouraged him to drive home. Called the police to arrest him for drunk driving, and then they went to the jail and said, "Hey, we'll get you out of this if you uh, give up America. If you give up these account numbers for these Americans." And he did. Mm-hmm. And Edward Snowden said that was one of his turning points. And so. That's the best theory we have because nothing else makes sense. It doesn't make sense that they're doing this for over a custody battle, especially when the kid is 27 now. I mean, he's not even he's a full adult. No. Well, I have to say, Chad, uh, I think you're on to something. (laughs) 
I think that uh, that's exactly what's going on, uh, because when you were telling your story about, you know, your freedom of movement and all of these countries that you're going to and even your industry, I mean, you sounded like the perfect recruit. I mean, if somebody could get their hooks into you, you would have that perfect cover to be able to move seamlessly between all of these different worlds. And obviously, with your uh, mother and father-in-law having, uh, you know, detailed uh, information about the production of these planes, I mean, of course, that would be of great strategic influence and importance for the United States and the Department of Defense. My God, do you know which uh, agencies tried to recruit you? You, you mentioned foreign, but uh, I mean, I'm, I'm wondering if like the, the CIA reached out through these other intermediaries to perhaps uh, uh, turn you into a traitor so then you would have to work for them or if they were all just working together like in a five eyes type sense. Well, they were all U.S. allies. Okay. Um, so they were all strong U.S. allies. It was Pakistan, the UAE, mm-hmm. which is where Dubai is. A lot yep. of people think Dubai is a country. It's not. Dubai yep. is in the UAE. Yep. And the other one was um, Saudi Arabia. Okay. Um, I-, I can tell you about the different ones, but the funniest one was Saudi Arabia. Because what happened was I was at a conference and I was speaking at a conference. And I've been to Saudi Arabia quite a few times. I've been all over Saudi Arabia. I've been to Jeddah and Riyadh and Kobar. Um, the mom, I actually like going, I, I really enjoy different cultures and I would go to Saudi Arabia and sometimes I have an extra day or two and I made some friends there and I go to people's houses and stuff and we watch movies. So, I mean, I, I really immerse myself in different cultures. Um, I've hitchhiked throughout the middle East at various times just to see, see different things. Brave guy. So back to Saudi. So I was, I was at a conference and, um, as a speaker and one of the Microsoft people from Saudi Arabia came to me and he says, listen, um, the government. Uh, they said, we want to put on this extra session about high-performance computing. Mm-hmm. And this was quite a while ago. So this is back like, this high-performance computing is when you're trying to process really big, you're trying to get a whole cluster of computers and get them to communicate. And today it's pretty standard. But back then it was kind of a newish thing, right? And Microsoft had just launched their, their HPC initiative. And they said, can you give an extra session on it? And I said, yeah, no problem. And they're like, well, it's not going to be a really big session because I've spoken in front of audiences of, uh, you know, I've done training where I've spoken like 12 people, but mostly I did audiences of 100 to 500 or 1,000, or sometimes I've even done 5,000 people. So I've done big audiences. And so they said, well, it's at this room at this time. And I said, well, HPC is not really my specialty, but I do know it enough. And I filled in for a lot of other people. So it was not unusual. I didn't think anything of it. And so I show up in this room and, um, there's like five people in the room, which was really unusual, okay? Because even at this conference, you were expecting most rooms there were at least 100 people, okay? Because, I mean, there were like five, 600 people at the conference, mm-hmm. and there were only like three or four tracks going on at a time. And so there were like five people in the room, and I'm thinking, well, I guess I guess there'd be some more stragglers coming in. And no one else came in, and once I came in, they like closed the doors, and there was like no sign outside like marking this session or anything, because normally there's a sign outside, it's on the schedule. right. I don't know if it's an extra session be announced. It wasn't announced. There was no sign outside. There was just like nothing. And so I, I try and make my sessions very lively. And I try and make a lot of jokes. And I try and make jokes about things that won't offend people. Because I once made some jokes that shouldn't have offended somebody, but it was about their industry and they didn't like it so much. Like sure. I used to make jokes about dairy cows. And one time I had the Kenyan Dairy Farmers Association <laughs> or something. But anyways, so I try to make jokes, but I try not to offend anybody. So... They were asking me, so they were like these five guys, and they're all dressed, you know, all white, just the sa- traditional Saudi garb, which pretty much everybody, almost everybody there was anyway. So that was not unusual. 
And so I'm in this big room that holds like 200 people with five people. And so I'm talking, and I'm like, and then so somebody, one guy stands up, he goes, oh, excuse me, sir. Um, so what, what might you use high performance computing for? And I'm thinking, I'm like, well, you know, because this was before, this was before um, neural networks were big and that kind of stuff. And I'm just trying to think on the spot. And I'm like, well, you know, because um, I had previously worked in the financial industry when I was in the U.S. That's the software end of the financial industry. So I knew about stock trading. I've been on the, I've been to Morgan Stanley headquarters and, you know, the stock exchange and that kind of stuff. And I said, well, you know, like high performance stock trading or, um, you know, oil analysis, because I've, I've been to Saudi Aramco. I've been, you know, in the headquarters of Saudi Aramco and stuff. I said, you know, if you're trying to process geospatial data from like the, the, the ground penetrating radar and stuff, you could process it with that stuff. And I just jokingly said, oh, and you could process missile trajectories. And I said, but nobody's doing that here, right? Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> and I joke not. Somebody in one of the guys stands up. He goes, no, no. I work for the Saudi Ministry of Defense. I'm very interested to keep speaking. Oh. And I was like, oh, oh, God. God. <laughs> like, what did I get myself oh. into, right? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. So, you know, the, the crazy part is that Microsoft was probably aware of what was going on. I mean, I, I have to believe that there is some level of interplay between the intelligence agencies and uh, gets, American Fortune 500 companies. deeper, though. Please go. So continue. It gets deeper. <clears throat> so when the session was done, um, some guy hung back afterward. And he's like, can I speak to you? Which was not unusual, too. A lot of people came up and they would speak to me all the time after sessions. And he waited for everybody else to leave the room. And he's like, have you ever considered moving to Saudi Arabia? <laughs> like, you know, I'm working with Microsoft, so I always want to be polite. I don't want to irritate anybody. And I'm, I'm just like, hmm, you know, I've never really given that a thought. Um, it's not really of interest to me. I said, I have kids and I have a wife. And as you can understand, my wife is not probably going to be interested to move to Saudi Arabia. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you've ever seen, there's a movie called Hologram for a King, which Tom Hanks is in, which... I think yeah. most Americans would not find funny, but if you've lived yeah. in the Middle East or work in the Middle East, the movie is freaking hilarious. Yes, yes, okay? I'm familiar with it, yeah. Um, but in Saudi Arabia, they have these special, um, they have these special, like, I don't know what to call it, but it's like, a, it's like a bunch of houses, maybe like a couple hundred houses, and there's a big wall around them. It's where foreigners live. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay? It's like a green zone. Something like that. Yeah, and yeah. inside the there, it's not official, but inside there, Anything goes. Alcohol, drugs, movies. It just happens in these zones. Mm -hmm. And I, I knew about these because I had um, one or two of the guys from Microsoft are foreigners and they lived in these zones and they told me about them. And I got invited to some of these parties and stuff. And so, you know, I knew what went on. And the guy's like, no, you can live inside and inside there you can do whatever you want and your family and go to school. And, and I'm like, uh, I just... Thank you. I said, thank you so much for the offer. It's such an honor, but it's just not right. He's like, no, you should really think about it. And he's like, how much do you make? And I was making six figures back then. Mm -hmm. And he's like, okay, we will pay you like 10 times as much as you make at Microsoft. And oh I'm my like, God. You know, which is like a million dollars or something. And he's like, no, no, hold on. Listen, 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 listen. And he's like, you don't have to stay here forever. Just come work for a few years, make a couple million dollars and retire. Wow. And so... I'm like, okay, well, what would I be doing? And he's like, well, you know, the same thing you do now, software and stuff. <laughs> and just, you know, very, very, very vague as to what I would be doing. And you just sign this legally like, binding contract and we'll tell you everything. 
And then he's like, I'm like, so would I get to travel? Oh, yes, you would still travel. Where do you want to travel? And it's just, and it was just like, you know, you get all these benefits. And, uh, you know, it was, it was, it was very clear who he was because the only people in this room were working for the government. Right, right. Um, and the, um, the one attempt in Pakistan was even clearer than that one. The one in Pakistan, I mean, you know, it was like absolutely clear what they what they wanted. I'd imagine they'd be, they'd be a little harsher in Pakistan than they would be in uh, Saudi Arabia. No, Pakistan's actually much more open. Pakistan, oh, is it really? You can, um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Pakistan's okay. much far more open than, than Saudi Arabia. Well, I, I well guess not I was, within I was the pre- green zones. I was picturing the ISI, and it seems like those guys are hard asses. So. <laughs> yeah, it, it, he, yeah, he never said he was the ISI, but it's clear he was the ISI. I okay. Mean, because um, I had been dealing with some government people, and they had a security escort, and he was a, he'd been following the, our, our detail around for several days, and he was clearly security for one of the guys I was dealing with. And so he approached me later and it was the same type of offer. He's like, you can have like, my wife doesn't want to, he's like, listen, you will have maids and you will have tutors and you will have drivers and you will not want for anything. <laughs> and so it was the same kind of deal. Wow. Um, and uh, the one in Dubai was a little less obvious, but it, it was a similar type deal in, in Dubai. They, I used to get companies that take me all the time, and they're always trying. If you work in Microsoft, they're always trying to hire you away. I mean, I got job offers all the time. Mm-hmm. But it was usually like you'd know the company or something. And one time in Dubai, they took me out to dinner, and they took me to the office. It's like, you should come work for us. And they're showing me around the office, and they have all these developers and everything. And and they're like, what would you be doing here? Like, uh, software. And I, I, so I'm talking to the developers. I'm like, what do you guys do here? And they're like, um, software. <laughs> You know, I'm like, well, what kind of industry do you work in? Finance, oil, like software. (laughs) No one would tell me what they actually did. And so I went and there was like a name on the outside, you know, like where the door was. They had like the whole floor of a building. Mm -hmm. There was like a plaque. And I don't remember what the name of the place was, but it was some like generic, like something technologies incorporated or something. So I'm like Googling this company to figure out. And there's like, no information on this company whatsoever. Like Just it does not exist. <laughs> and the thing is, I, sometimes it would happen with like five employees, but there's like a hundred people in this office. Wow. So, you know, it should show up somewhere. Mm-hmm. It just didn't show up anywhere. It was the same kind of offer. And they were like, that Lewis is like, I'm like, how much should I be making? He's like, how much do you want to make? And I'm just like, you know. What's your cap? <laughs> wow, that's so, that's, that's so crazy. Uh, well, listen, uh, Chad, we are uh, past the 10 o'clock hour, so we've got to take another break. And then when we come back, we've got our first caller on the line. Uh, and I'm certain that there is a lot more to discuss. So sit back, you guys. We'll be right back after this. So recently, I've told you guys about a breakthrough new anti-aging remedy that I've been using that keeps me energized all day long. I just take a teaspoonful of C60 Evo olive oil in the morning, and I notice better mental focus, flexibility, and physical endurance. Now, it's rare to feel improvements this quickly. I also end up sleeping deeper at night, so it's really helpful. Their peptide and ESS60 hair and lotion renewal formulas are exceptional because they really work. And C60 Evo's lab is 
been manufacturing this Nobel Prize winning miracle molecule for 32 years in their Houston, Texas Patriot owned lab. ESS 60 is the upgraded version of the carbon 60 molecule. It's specifically made for both people and pets. It's a potent and effective way for people's lives to be improved all around the world. So maximize your health and enjoy noticeable results with C60 Evo organic edible oils, skin serums, and pet products. You can buy with confidence from C60 Evo, and you can use my personal code for a discount at checkout. Simply go to c60evo.com forward slash redpill78, and then when you're there, use code redpill78 for an additional 10% off your entire order. Once again, that's c60evo.com forward slash redpill78, and when you support my sponsors, you support this channel. All right. Thank you guys for sticking around. So I see that Ainsley in the chat doesn't know how to call in. And I realize it's been a long time since I explained this to everybody. I kind of take it for granted. All right. If you have the Zoom app on your phone, your iPad, your Android device or your computer, it's free. All you got to do is install it. You will be prompted to make a Zoom account. Again, that's free as well. So you'll sign in with your email and your phone number. Uh, you'll have to set up a little bit of information. But when you do, uh, once it's downloaded on your phone, there is a link that I've already passed out into all of the chats. I'm going to pass it out again right now. So if you guys want to copy it and hold on to it while you're downloading that Zoom app, once it's there on your phone or your device, all you do is click that link, and then it's going to bring you into the call. And then once you're in the call, you'll sit in the waiting room until I bring you in. Now, if you don't have the Zoom application, it's actually even simpler to call in. You just call the phone number that's on the screen. That is 646-931-3860. And then it's going to prompt you for a meeting ID. And that meeting ID is also on screen, 816 816- zero five zero eight five seven four three and then one final piece of information is the passcode that's also on screen the passcode tonight is eight four one five three eight normally uh, uh that's all you have to do it's very simple you'll sit in the waiting room and we're going to bring in our very first caller here i just wanted to say thank you one more time to chad for coming here and uh, sharing your story with us caller you're on the air make sure you mute the stream in the background um Sam's new one, there is no Discord because Discord banned me right around the same time that YouTube and uh, Twitter did. So I am, uh, this is the, the only way you can call in. <laughs> call in with your phone or call in with the Zoom app. Caller, you're on the air. Can we get your name? Hey, what's happening, Zach? Casey. And uh, welcome, Mr. Howard. Yeah, I, I don't want to go with the Zoom app just to tell you the God's honest truth. I don't want to put clothes on. That's no problem. No problem. Well, let me just say this. Um, it, it, for future reference, it will ask you if you want to turn on the camera. So you don't have to. And I, I should say that to everybody. You do not have to use the camera when you call in. It'll just automatically turn on the microphone and then you're in. But welcome, Casey. Good to have you here, buddy. Yeah, thank you. And, you know, I do like the uh, the spice of anonymity because trying to disappear is one hell of a job these days. Certainly. Trying to go off grid. They will find you anywhere and everywhere. Um, to your, uh, your guest, uh, Mr. Howard, uh, first of all, you last voted, I'm guessing, in Tennessee. So your representative would be Senator Blackburn. Actually, I know, I know Blackburn personally a little bit because I ran for Tennessee office in 2000 <laughs> and she contributed to my campaign. And I've met her several times. 
This is this is so, actually something um, I wanted to ask you. I mean, have you considered reaching out to elected officials? I mean, chances are pretty good they're bought and paid for, but it's worth a shot. Yeah, we've we've done that. Blackburn was like, "Oh, send me information." I used to have her personal cell phone, which I don't anymore because it's changed. All she did was add me to her campaign list. Mike Kelly in Pennsylvania. We got a hold of him. We got somebody that went straight to his office, and he actually had me sign a information release and stuff. He got back my file, and all he did was say, oh, yeah, you're wanted by the FBI. If you need anything else, give me a call. And he just buggered <laughs> off. So politicians have been utterly useless. Oh, my God. I have the letter. I posted well, that letter that... multiple times from Mike Kelly. Wow. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> well, I asked, I asked that because, you know, if, if the U.S. government is feckless, that must mean somebody more powerful is pulling the strings, and that could be anybody from Microsoft to Disney to obviously uh, international uh, espionage agencies. Uh, I want to say, with can I can I ask you just the collateral? Uh, Howard, is that by any chance a Jewish name? No, it's German. Okay, because I was just thinking Mossad might have an active role in this. Just if, even as I mean, they still a might. recruiter, if you will. <laughs> uh, but uh, uh, you, you talked about working for Microsoft. Uh, you know, there's been a lot said about Bill Gates. And since you're actually down and dirty with the software aspect, can you speak to anything about the involvement of DARPA and its role in, you know, how software and, you know, everything is really exchanged to those who, have power, and I don't think the American people have had power in many, many decades. But uh, is that possibly one of the uh, participants in this uh, scheme against you? No, it, it, I don't have any indication that it's anything against me whatsoever. I mean, yeah, the tech companies are all in bed with uh, the U.S. government at this point. I mean, Edward Snowden has revealed all that. But as far as my case, no, Microsoft was a fantastic company to work for. Had the FBI not ruined my career, I would probably still be working for Microsoft. And if I ever get my name cleared, I would happily work for them again. Um, so I don't think it's, I did have a chance to meet Bill Gates one time. I didn't because I was really, really, really sick. And I didn't want to be the one who gave him the really bad flu. I have met Steve Ballmer. Yeah. Um, but I never, when I was at Microsoft, it was a fantastic company. I never worked in those sections itself. I did software development for Microsoft customers. I did a lot of public speaking. I did a lot of government engagement, but I never did any work with the U.S. government whatsoever. I worked for Microsoft Middle East and Africa and also Microsoft Europe. And I did a little bit of work for Microsoft Asia, but my primary was Microsoft Middle East Africa. I never worked for Microsoft. I mean, everybody works for Microsoft U.S. somehow because Microsoft Middle East is part of Microsoft U.S., but I never worked for the U.S. division, so I never had any contact with the U.S. government on behalf of Microsoft. Um, also your second wife, let's just call her Svetlana. Uh, she yes. had no direct, uh, involvement in your divorce. You met her after, uh, proceedings were in chart, were rolling. Yeah. I met her after, after we were separated. The divorce took o over a year because I was out of the country, but <clears throat> I met her after we separated and she's actually a, a Russian lawyer. Oh, Okay. Uh, so she almost might be like a Maria Butina uh, situation <laughs> that, well, I mean, you got the guy from Overstock, Byrne, you know, that yeah. was utilized, even though he had the letter from Senator uh, uh, Warren, uh, uh, what's his name, out in Idaho, 
I, Patrick, I, I, Patrick Byrne? You're talking Patch, about Patch. Patch. Yeah, Patch. Patrick Byrne has yeah. the letter giving him full immunity. Um, have you one tried to contact him and see if he could get some of his friends in high places to look into this and at least clear your name so you could travel? Because I think if anybody yeah. could get you back in the United States, I mean, short of using the Mexican cartels, <laughs> you know, to clear your name, uh, you know, somebody along that line of the sub-government, if you will, would be able to help you out. Well, I want to be clear. I don't have any interest in ever moving back to the United States. I do want to come back. I have not seen my mother in over 10 years. I mean, I have family I want to visit, but I have no desire to live in the U.S. I left the U.S. in early 2001, and I've lived in 12 countries, so I'm perfectly happy living overseas. But I do need to get my name cleared, because right now I can't travel anywhere. I can't, you know, aside of, like, maybe North Korea, which I couldn't get to and would not want to go to anyways. I don't have any options to go anywhere, and I need medical care as well. So I do want to come visit the U.S. I want to come see my family. But as far as, you know, I have no desire to move back there. Well, have you thought about going out to uh, directly or trying indirectly to get with uh, like a James O'Keefe and the former Project Veritas just to get the story out there? I mean, if you got a target on your back, you got a target on your back. How could it be any bigger? But, you know, mm-hmm. to get this resolved, at least in a court of public opinion, which with TikTok seems to be fairly easy to m- manipulate. Uh, yeah, I would say extinguish all angles to get back into the United States. It's nothing to do but clear your name and, you know, expose more if you can. Well, definitely. I mean, there's two aspects here. One is that that's why I'm on TikTok and on Instagram, and I'm asking people like you to contact because, you, you know, when I first started TikTok, I thought it would, like, call up a news station and be like, I'm wanted by the FBI, want to interview me? But the news stations don't read their emails. They don't listen to their voicemails. And if you do get through to them, what happens is they start talking to me. They call the FBI, and the FBI says you can't talk to them. It's illegal to talk to a fugitive, which is not. <laughs> and then the FBI basically intimidates the news stations off of me. And I've been trying to get on more and more podcasts. So if there's anybody you think I should be in contact with, just try and contact them and have them reach out to me. I am easy to find. So that's one aspect. The second aspect is I can't come to the U.S. because I'll be arrested and detained. We have made offers to go to trial as recently as September of last year, and the FBI blocks me going to trial. So I have said I will come back to trial if they will agree not to delay the trial beyond the Speedy Trials Act and basically go straight to trial. And they've said no. What they want to do is what they do to everybody is they detain you for several years and try and force you into a plea bargain by saying we'll let you out of pretrial detention if you plead guilty. And I'm not interested in doing that because I didn't do this, number one. And number two, once I get any sort of plea bargain or conviction, I'll have that on my record. And even trying to work or live abroad will be a serious problem because any other country is going to look at it. Some countries don't even let you arrive on a tourist visa if you have any sort of conviction whatsoever. Japan is one of them. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't want to see you assange if that's an actual verbiage. Uh, but, you know, I would think try and at least come up with a whistleblower status with somebody that has some pull, you know, at least maybe with the Trump government, you know, in that respect, uh, you know. I really wish you the best because I hate to see you trapped in, you know, St. Kitts with poor medical and that you, you can't travel outside of St. Kitts at all. You're really hell I can go to I can go to or, Nevis. I can go to Nevis, which is our other island, but it's even smaller than St. Kitts is. It's two miles away. So <laughs> never right, even heard of they're Nevis. just cornering you in. The walls are closing in on yeah. you. Yeah. You know, and yeah, exactly. you, you, you they, need they a way out. St. Kitts, and that's why I'm asking everybody who's listening here. We've been trying to, somebody mentioned Joe Rogan in the comments, so I'm reading the comments as I can. Yeah. 
we've been trying to get Joe Rogan's attention for over a year. We can't get a peep out of him. I mean, Joe Rogan could literally save my life. So again, if you happen to have, if anybody has contacts with James Keefe or any podcaster or anybody who can get my story out there, just have them reach out to me. I am not difficult to get in touch with. I well, do look at all my Instagram messages, all my TikTok messages, and so forth. Chad, I am. Well, I, I've been doing this a long time. I've got a lot of friends who are podcasters, and I'm actually part of a couple of other different networks, Amp News and Badlands. And actually, Eddie Bravo watches Badlands, and he works directly with Joe Rogan. So we'll, we'll, we'll work to get you some additional exposure after this. KC, do you got anything final for Chad? Yeah. Um, just, I hate to see any type of, uh, freedom of speech silenced in any respect. Uh, and it's like, it's so almost similar to Gonzalo Lira. All right. Mm -hmm. Telling the truth out of Ukraine. And now God only knows what prison he's in, but you know, we'll never hear from him. And you know, until, you know, we really get the voice out there that he's a political prisoner. And, you know, Mr. Howard, sounds like you're a political prisoner. No, no fault of your own, Mm -hmm. because unless Mm -hmm. we know what what speech is being denied you other than, you know, a custody case, which everybody can probably relate to. So they know somebody who's been in a custody battle. Other than that, you got to figure out what the actual pinpoint focus to say, hey, I need to be free, free from these charges that weren't, you know, actually valid. So. Uh, I'll do what I can. If there's a a website other than you know TikTok or Alex, I, I, I try and get not, on as little sites as possible. Alex is not missing. dot com. You can find a lot of different things there, and I hope that he puts our interview up there as well. Because oh, absolutely uh, will. Yeah, definitely. All right, Casey. Well, thank you so much. Hopefully, it'll hit Sound of Freedom popularity. Hey, so, we'll, we'll God keep bless working. you, and God thank bless you so much. Uh, obviously. You know, and we'll we'll be keeping uh, tabs on this to make sure everybody at least hears about it to discuss it. Certainly. Thank you so you guys much. Have a great weekend. You too. Yeah. God Take bless care. you. God bless. We'll talk to you soon. All right. And let me say thank you to Coyote Patriot over on Rumble who says, uh, Chad Howard, the real international man of mystery. Forget Austin Powers. Um, okay. We've got Duppy on the line from Foxhole. Duppy, don't go anywhere. I just want to ask another question before we bring you in. Uh, Chad, uh, from what I understand, uh, the uh, the medical care in Russia is is quite good. I mean, considering the fact that your wife is a Russian citizen, have you considered maybe trying to go there to get medical care? Yeah. The problem is that until recently, my health was so bad <clears throat> that I needed an air ambulance to go anywhere. Oh, wow. And the air ambulance is, you know, I, I, <laughs> the air ambulance is very expensive and I can only go to the basically nearby Caribbean islands mm-hmm. only recently has, um, I've gotten some, we've had to fly a lot of people around. It's been very expensive. I've gotten some better medical care recently. I still need surgery, several surgeries in fact, but I mean, uh, there was a year I could barely talk for almost an entire year until recently. I could barely move out of a chair and most days I could barely walk. Mm-hmm. I was just in horrific levels of pain. And so now I, I probably could fly commercially from a medical perspective. The problem is, how do you get there from St. Kitts? Because I have an Interpol red notice. You know, there are no flights from oh, Russia to St. Kitts. Yeah, no direct flights to Moscow. Yeah, okay. Gosh, um, maybe uh, 
maybe sailing uh, like some sort of uh, boat that could take you from there to someplace else. But I mean, even yep. then you'd have to take, you'd have to fly, you'd have to sail to someplace else to fly to Moscow because uh, I would imagine there's probably no boat that goes straight there either. We, we've looked at those options. In fact, I know how to sail. I have my sailing certificate. Okay. Okay. And um, <clears throat> we even used to have a sailboat, but through all the financial problems that, uh, have been on us. We, we lost it a number of years ago. I'm sorry. To hear um, that. We certainly looked at that, but to get to Russia by sailboat, you can only go a certain time of the year because of the hurricanes, the mm-hmm. winds and things. I mean, you're looking at about in a typical sailboat, you're looking at about a good three months sail to Holy get to geez. Russia. Yeah. And if something happens and, along the way, man. And trying to equip a boat for three months, you need a pretty good sized boat. I mean, you, it's, it's really, really rough. I mean, I, I know people have gone around the world in like 40, 30 and 40 footers, but it's, it's just not practical. My health is much better, mm-hmm. but I, I can't sail solo. So I'd need somebody to go with me. So you're looking at a pretty good sized boat and really equipped. And it's just, believe me, we've looked at it. Okay. All right. All right. Well, let's, let's bring Duppy in. And uh, Duppy was actually a guest on the show just uh, last week, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, uh, Duppy, welcome to the program. Glad to have you back, buddy. How you doing? I'm doing wonderful. How are you guys? Oh, excellent. Excellent. So what's your question for Chad? Well, I I didn't really have so much of a question other than maybe adding a little bit of a perspective that might help solve a little bit of the mystery. And and Mr. Howard, thank you for telling us your story. It's rather frightening. Um, I know I've known a lot of people that were in overseas positions kind of like yours. But through the oil industry, um, mm-hmm. I was in that industry for a long time. I didn't go the international route, probably because I had a little bit too much of an attitude <laughs> to be granted such a, a privilege. But uh, what you said about the compounds in these various countries where Western workers live uh, to you know, live a Western lifestyle within an Eastern country without getting in trouble – those are really common. I know that I knew a lot of guys that were over in Indonesia and Thailand and places like that, you know, Muslim countries that uh, went through those situations. So your story about meeting with the Saudi guys and discussing additional career opportunities, that didn't sound terribly unusual to me. Um, I knew a lot of guys that after their stints over there, they had the contacts with the local uh, national oil companies or even the government to land positions, particularly with Saudi Aramco, and they would mm-hmm. do exactly what you described, five years and, and get out and have a nice fat bank account. So that didn't, that didn't raise any red flags with me, and that just leads me to think that – or at least lean towards – the Russian connection as being more of a red flag. Do you feel differently than that? No, I mean, everything points to, I mean, I, I try and go with the simplest explanation. And the simplest explanation is, remember, I, I never had any problems till 2002. <clears throat> My problems only arose after I moved to Russia and 9-11 happened. Um, now, I moved to Russia slightly before 9-11 happened. Um, so maybe it would have happened to me anyways. But my best theory, again, is that I moved to Russia early 2001, 9-11 happened, it got turbocharged, they saw my wife's parents were, and then I got tangled up in it. 
And just, you know, not all these intelligence agencies are very smart. They have a lot of dumb people working in it. And I mean, I, I, I dislike all governments equally. So I was not, I have no intent to work for any particular government whatsoever. I certainly don't want to become a spy because people think becoming a spy is like some awesome thing. No, I mean, you, you become a spy. Your, your family's in danger. You're in danger. You end up in prison. I have no desire to be in any sort of spy for any country whatsoever. Yeah, I get it. Uh, you know, most of the people I've mentioned had nothing like no relationship like that with the governments. They just wanted to work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, for me, I was I was happy working at Microsoft. It was one of my dream jobs, and I, I was paid well. I had good benefits. My kids went to private schools, and as I said, had the FBI not destroyed my career, there's a very good chance I would still be working at Microsoft. Right. Um, I oh. guess the only other thing I could add is I did have an encounter with the KGB in <laughs> my my career, but it mm-hmm. happened on our soil. Really, and and it was very very pleasant. They they sent some uh, the Russians. This was right before the curtain fell. The mm-hmm. Russians sent some scientists to come over and work with us for a short time, especially showing off some new software. Um, so when they came over, they brought a KGB contingent with them, which we thought was cool as hell. <laughs> and those guys were really the KGB guys were really nice. They didn't say much. But they were really mm-hmm. nice and shook our hands and went to dinner and still didn't say much even at dinner. <laughs> and then I think they gave me a nice aluminum pin at the end of the dinner. <laughs> with, well, I never uh, got a pin. With, 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 <laughs> Len- with Lennon's face on it? <laughs> I, I think it did have a hammer and sickle on it. I oh. wish I'd have kept it. That was so long ago. It's long gone now. I've got a, I've got a collection of uh, like Cold War era memorabilia, like – uh, like stuff from, you know, medals from uh, World War II in America. I've got German stuff. I've got uh, a whole bunch of different uh, uh, little pins and regalia from the Soviet Union. I'm fascinated by that stuff. So if you've still got it, I would like to see a picture. I don't think Let me I show you something while we're talking. Let me grab something oh, real quick. Okay. Excellent. Excellent. Um, I don't think I have it anymore, Zach. Sorry. Well, no worries. No worries. Well, listen, while Duppy is on the line, I just want to make the announcement because I haven't said this publicly yet. But part two of our series that began last week is going to be Friday, September 29th at 9 p.m. So make sure you're here Friday. Oh, yes. Yes. Wow. Very cool. I wish I could make my screen bigger. Oh, man. Yeah, that's These awesome. are... These are my great uncle's World War II medals. He died on a ship uh, just before Guadalcanal. Wow. This wow. was my grandmother's brother. Very cool. He was an electrician's wow. mate. My, he uh, went down on a ship that was um, bombed by the Japanese. And I used to, his purple heart. I was supposed to have his purple heart as well. Mm-hmm. But I have this submarine, these medals here. I was supposed to have his purple heart. But when it was supposed to be transferred to me, one of my uncles had it. And his house was robbed. Mm-hmm. And then we recently found it a couple years ago on a on a for sale site and i tried to contact the agency and told them it was stolen but then they just ignored me so i should have had his purple heart but i do have his his other four medals here hey chad did one of those medals have uh an eagle or an owl on it by any chance i got a brief glimpse but my screen is small yeah this one has i don't know what it is it's some kind of bird looks looks like an eagle (laughs) yeah a little blurry but it does look like an eagle i think and then well, I'm hoping it's not a phoenix. <laughs> no, actually, but no, a phoenix. But speaking of a phoenix. <laughs> there we go. Oh, wow. Uh, Very nice. 
That's that, darn, that darn thing is everywhere. It is. It's <laughs> iconic. That's for sure. All right. Well, listen, Duppy, thank you so much for the call, buddy. I really appreciate it and uh, look forward to having you back on the 29th. Thank you. All right, brother. We'll thank, see you soon. Thank you, Chad. Godspeed with mm-hmm. everything that's going on. God bless. We'll see Thanks, you soon. Guys. Peace. Uh, yeah, so uh, my grandfather fought in World War II. He was in, I want to say he was like Italy or Ethiopia or something like that. He was part of the campaign fighting Mussolini. And um, he uh-huh. got he got shot in the thigh. And I was always fascinated hearing the story when I was a kid because he had just, you know, a big hole through his thigh. And he said that when he was on the battlefield, uh, the, uh, the medic came over, took one look at him, and just packed it full of Vaseline and then wrapped it up. And and so, like, my dad, like, anytime anything happened to me, like, you know, this was, like, the this was the go-to. Like, if you got a cut, you got a, you, a scrape, you got a gouge, you just packed it full of Vaseline, and that was it. And so it's funny because even like today. The, the Windex. Yes, it's like Windex. <laughs> that's right. That's right. You use it for everything. Oh, gosh. And uh, so, yeah, so I've got uh, a whole bunch of my grandpa's medals. Uh, I, I think I've got all of them, if I'm not mistaken. But um, there may be a couple that uh, are not there. And then my dad fought. Uh, he was in the service as well. Well, he was in uh, uh, the army during uh, Vietnam, so I've got a bunch of his stuff. But I have my grandpa's flag, uh, and that mm-hmm. is displayed proudly out in my living room. Uh, we've got our my next grandfather was also in World War II. Okay, yes, yes. We've got uh, our next caller on the line. Caller, can we get your name? Uh, Eric. Eric, welcome to the program. How are you tonight? I'm doing fantastic. Uh, first, let me just say I, I've really enjoyed this conversation except for um just the uh the pain sure it's it's tragic (laughs) i I feel for chad i I really do chad um listen this is going to sound dorky but how's your son doing oh he's doing fine um he's i mean he's doing far better than i am he's able to travel in fact it's so Uh crazy because while he was listed as kidnapped in 2019, when he even long after he was an adult, so 2019, he would have been like 22, 23. He had to go to the okay. U.S. Embassy in Barbados twice, and they renewed his passport, although he was listed as kidnapped. <laughs> so he's oh traveled goodness. in and out of the U.S. Uh, numerous times now. He goes back and forth to the U.S. all the time to Florida, and even when he was listed as kidnapped. So he's listed as kidnapped, but they're so incompetent that, you know, I mean, normally he's just, <laughs> just the insanity of this. Wow. How do you renew a child? How do you renew an adult? an adult's passport and you meet them twice in the u.s embassy the same child that the same u.s embassy tried to kidnap and you just don't i, I it's it's bonkers you, you would you would immediately think that would raise red flags right like there would be i mean talk yeah. about an alert that shows up when you get that scanned i mean yeah <laughs> crazy crazy well well listen i don't have any offers i thought like zach said earlier uh if there was any avenue where your in-law in-laws could help get you from St. Kitts to Russia. That's all I could think of. But from uh, besides that, I just want to let you know I'll be praying for you and for your son and for your wife and just for your health. And that's all I have to offer, my friend. Well, much appreciated. I need all, all the support I can get in this in this endeavor because it's been going on for so long. I can't imagine it, brother. Okay, you take care, my friend. Hey, man, thanks for calling. Thanks. Appreciate it. All right, and uh, we've got another caller. And let's bring them in. Let me also say thank you to Casey, who dropped a phone over on Pilled.net. Asty Ball, who says, another great show. Thank you, Zach. And then J2Dank, thank you for the can. Uh, caller, you are on the air. We have no audio, though. Looks like it's still connecting. And uh, 
when it does, we'll go ahead and get your name. Uh, Chad, we also had uh, someone in the chat uh, inquiring about your health. Uh, do, do you mind telling us exactly what you're, uh, what you're dealing with, and have you considered that maybe it's not natural? Um, as far as we can tell, it's completely natural, although it did develop pretty much immediately after I got out of Bulgarian prison and came back. Okay. I developed some sort of serious kidney problems where I was passing hundreds of stones a month. And I've, I've posted pictures and videos of the stones I've passed. I passed a seven by seven by three on my own. I was constantly <clears throat> battling kidney infections and urinary infections because of it. And then, <clears throat> sorry, I developed some sort of serious neurological disorder, mm. which resulted in basically trauma levels of pain. Um, when I, we, as I said, we started flying some people around because I got so desperate. We flew a surgeon in, in 2015 and I was supposed to get better after that, but I didn't. I actually got worse. And then when I recently got access to a neurologist, they were asking me my pain level. And I said, it's a four. And I was just squirming and moving. And they said, no, that's a 10. And I was like, well, you, should, you don't want to see what my 10 is like. And only since we've really gotten desperate, because uh, our finances are just, I mean, uh, we, we cannot survive like this forever. Mm-hmm. I mean, we had three kids and we had to spend a lot of money to fly these people around. But it basically gave me my life back. Now I can get up and I can walk around, but I still need the surgeries, yeah. which are not possible in San Kitts. Gosh, I'm so sorry to hear that. All right, looks like a caller was having some issues connecting to audio. Let me say, guys, uh, if you're on the phone app, uh, when you connect, there should be a, a, an option on screen. You you just like touch the screen It'll probably show you that you can uh, select your audio, select your video. Uh, you just got to do that so that we can get it on here. If caller, if you're unable to do it through the app, just call the phone number 646-931-3860. Uh, and then, of course, the meeting ID is 816-058-5743. And the passcode, one more time, is 841-538. I'm going to drop all of that information into the chat once again. All right, so um, this 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 started after you left the Bulgarian prison. So, uh, it, do they think that you contracted some sort of um, uh, like a pathogen or something while you're in there? No, I don't think so because I had some signs as far back as um, 2000. Even I just didn't realize the signs were very minor. Yeah. And they never created enough of a problem to go to a doctor. But once we started seeing doctors and things, we realized that I actually had some signs as far back as 2000 that were just not serious enough and not recognized. So I have had a lot of people ask me about that. The conditions in Bulgarian prison were pretty severe. Um, I came out losing a lot of weight. I mean, the food was minimal. There was no heat. There were cockroaches like you could not believe. There were four of us crammed into a room 24 hours a day that was designed for two I mean, the conditions were really, really quite bad. I mean, they could have been worse, I guess, but, you know, it was a bad, bad condition. But um, I don't think so because, you know, evidence points to the fact that I had something going on years before. So uh, have you ever um, considered trying chlorine dioxide? Have you ever looked into that? No, I haven't. I mean, we have some pretty advanced doctors. It's just the problem is that in in St. Kitts, didn't even have an MRI machine until recently. Oh, wow. And the MRI machine, I don't even think is hooked up yet. I think it's still sitting in a box, but it's just, we don't even have a cardiac unit in St. Kitts. And it's just, we know some of the treatments that I do need, 
<clears throat> and that I needed some advanced diagnosis because the neurological condition was only kind of slightly diagnosed recently. We mm -hmm. thought it was somehow connected to the the kidney problems um, because the two of them would interact with each other. Sure. But the, the medical care I've gotten recently, they've, they've said it's clear that they're two independent conditions and they do interact with each other, but neither one caused the other one. And I just got really bad luck to get to develop both of these. You just won, won, won within, the lottery, so to speak. Yeah, within yeah. my family, there's there's a bit of a history of certain weirdish health problems with some of my siblings and some of my parents. So I guess it's just genetics. Luck of the draw. Okay. All right. Well, we do have another caller on the line. Let's go ahead and bring them in. Caller, you're on the air. Your audio is connected. Can I get your name? Freya and boys. <laughs> Freya and the boys. Welcome back to the program. Good to hear from you. Good to be here, Zach. Thank you so much. Sorry I was gone for so long. No problem. You said you were traveling. Where were you at? Oh, I've been all over. I went to Alaska. I went to the Philippines. Wow. And uh, I spent a few weeks down in Texas, and now i got a friend from California coming up, so I'm back home. And uh, my wife and the dogs are happy again. Excellent. Well, glad to hear it, buddy. Glad you're back. Glad you're safe and sound. Uh, so tell me, well, what's your question for Chad, or well, what do you think about tonight's story? You, you know what? I, I missed a lot of it, and that's one of the reasons why I wanted to call in. I wanted to, to ask him, you know, you just mentioned the CDS. I've been taking that for a long time now, Zach, and my whole, my whole physical condition has changed. You know, I'm also a smoker, so I think it's just kind of letting me uh, ride the storm out, if you you know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. But uh, I wanted to ask him what his ailments were, and uh, where exactly in the world is he? Chad? You, Chad? Oh, I'm in St. Yeah, yeah. Kitts in the Caribbean. It's, it's a small Caribbean island. It's one of the smallest countries in the world. Um, oh, I got you. As far as it can... You know, yeah, as far as the condition, as far as the condition, I'm dealing with some sort of unknown kidney disease, which causes me to develop a lot of kidney stones and some sort of serious neurological condition as well, which recently I started to get some treatment for by flying a lot of people around. So only recently have I been able to like get up and walk around and talk and those sorts of things. So the doctors in the recent a um, couple of months I've done amazing work and I I, I I can't say too much right now but I do want to give credit and this is going to sound weird but I got assist the government of Cuba has been helping me with medical oh wow support in St. Kitts and um, Cuba has basically saved my life that's fascinating wow very cool right. I, I mean <clears throat> They're, uh, I mean, obviously, Cuba is closely aligned with Russia, certainly closer than they are the United States. So uh, perhaps indirectly, Russia is able to help out. I've actually heard a lot of good stuff about Cuban medical care. Uh, I remember uh, mm -hmm. se several years ago, there was that Michael Moore movie. I think it was a little dramatized, uh, but uh, he made it seem like it was uh, it was certainly superior in a number of ways. Yeah, um some ways, yes. Some ways, no. The because we we there's a lot of Cubans in St. Kitts. They have a medical mission where they send their doctors all throughout the Caribbean and the world. Wow. And we so we have a lot of Cuban friends. My one of my children was delivered by a Cuban doctor. Um, but the realities of the medical care within Cuba is something that's a little bit different. One sure. of my kids' best friends is um, 
is a Cuba is a is a daughter of some Cuban government officials. And so we have a lot of contact with Cubans, but within Cuba, it's, you know, especially with the, the embargo and stuff, it, it's, it's, it's really rough. Even their medical, their system is just, it's, they have very good doctors, but their, their equipment's very limited. So Subs- yeah, substandard. they do send them out mm-hmm. to, throughout the Caribbean. Mm-hmm. I would say in our, even in the hospital in St. Kitts, in, in the in the, um, in the emergency room, maybe one third or half of the doctors are Cubans that are here working in St. Kitts. And a lot of the doctors uh, that are local doctors have trained in Cuba. So even the prime, the current prime minister of St. Kitts is a medical doctor, and he trained in Cuba as well. Wow. Well, uh, the the uh, would, suggestion, would, real, real quick, Frey, let me just get this one out. The suggestion of uh, chlorine dioxide, uh, you know, I mean, I... I uh, yeah. I, yep. I've done a lot of research on that before, and uh, there it's it's actually uh, colloquially known as the universal antidote. Um, a lot of people don't know, but uh, the, the NASA sends it with the astronauts on every space mission because when you're taking chlorine dioxide, uh, it essentially like stops the ability for a whole number of pathogens and uh, various bugs from being able to take root. It's it's a simple uh, solution. They use it for water purification. And so everybody is drinking a little bit of it in a lot of different areas. Um, but for a lot of people who have some mysterious medical maladies, uh, taking it on a daily basis can offer uh, just a tremendous increase in the quality of life. And then the other suggestion uh, is uh, ivermectin, because there are so many different things that are affecting us that are related to parasites that we just don't even realize. And so just, you know, my armchair medical uh, suggestions right there. But Freo, you, were you going to say something? Well, I was going to repeat what you said about CDS. You know, uh, I wasn't tra- when I was traveling for a while, I wasn't taking my CDS on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. I brought it with me, but I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't use it like I usually use it. And I noticed... Uh, some of the warts on my hand came back. Really? Yes, you not. Wow. Yeah, no kidding. And they had all but uh, disappeared. There were just little, little spots, and now the one is, is uh, a half a centimeter again. And so now I'm back home, and I'm taking it on a regular basis, and I notice already it's starting to fade. Well, that's great. That's a true story, right from the horse's mouth. Wow. And also, I wanted to mention... You know, they've been talking about this uh, dog dewormer or heart heart dewormer for dogs. Fenbendazole. Yeah. I've talked about it on the show a number of times. Yeah, they. It, I mean, there's uh, uh, for people with cancer. Uh, there's a, a guy by the name of Joe Tippins. He was given, um, you know, a, a diagnosis. He was going to be dead in like two months. So he said, hey, what do I have to lose? And he started taking fenbendazole. And now it's like 10 years later and he's alive and he has no cancer. There's another guy, too, that came out recently, and he's a little bit more professional than the other guy. Okay, okay. Yeah, it's uh, certainly certainly something that uh, I have uh, I would have on my own regimen if I was going to be in a position like that. But yeah, it's uh, it's definitely something to look into if uh, anybody out there is facing cancer. I mean, you basically got nothing to lose, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. I also I also wanted to ask your your guest uh, what what is what is he. Uh, charged with in in the in the states let's keep him coming from home coming back home kidnapping which he didn't do Kidnap? yeah 
Yeah. Kidnapping? Kidnapping. Yeah. I, I, I serious, oh, yeah. highly suggest you rewind the program once we get through the calls because you're going to want to hear it. It's, uh, it's fascinating. And you can also check out his website, alexisnotmissing.com. And there is obviously a ton of more information there as well. Well, God bless you, sir. Yeah. You know, you'll be in my prayers this evening. Thank you. Thank much you so much. All right, Frey. Have a good night, brother. Good to hear from you. Oh, and one more thing. Okay. Has anybody seen my F-35? <laughs> I saw, saw one for sale on eBay. You might want to check there. <laughs> All, right. All right. All right, brother. You guys have a good evening. You too. We'll talk to you soon. Okay. All right. Um all right, so uh, I want to talk a little bit more about uh, the experience in the Bulgarian prison. Uh, so, you, you, did you say that you had been uh, arrested and, and and put into this prison or multiple prisons on on different occasions? Uh, okay, so mm-hmm. how did how did it play out that they determined there was no reason to hold you, and once they did? Was there any type of apology or, or any, like, mea culpa by the Bulgarian authorities? Well, it played out that I, I fought them in court because when there's an extradition proceeding, you still have certain rights within the court. And so I, I fought the U.S. in court, and I won. And the U.S. appealed, so I had to go through the process again. And I won again at the highest level of the federal court in Bulgaria. And then I was released after the, the second time. The problem was the U.S. had seized my U.S. passport. Mm-hmm. And I had entered Bulgaria my Caribbean passport, so I was still legitimately in Bulgaria. But the problem was they had also seized my Caribbean passport, the Bulgarians had, because, inter- because of the Interpol Red Notice. And the U.S. government uh, basically bribed a police officer and convinced him that St. Kitts did not exist as a country, and therefore my passport was fake. I wish I was making this up. <laughs> well, it's like a comedy of errors. I can't even believe it. <laughs> St. Kitts. And then so we had to go through a whole procedure, and then Bulgaria did not have official diplomatic relations with St. Kitts. So even though we presented them with documents and presented them with Google as well, and presented them with official documents with apostle stamps, which according to the Geneva Convention have to be accepted, they wouldn't accept them because they were still this police officer was holding my passport. And it got to this whole point that the federal government of Bulgaria was so irritated at the U.S. embassy for basically wasting their freaking time and yeah. so many dollars that the federal government of Bulgaria turned on the U.S. embassy and not only helped me escape Bulgaria, but I had help from a former FBI agent in getting back to the Caribbean because they put a passport block on me, even though I had gotten my passport back. Hmm put a passport block on me and we got it lifted for 24 hours and I snuck out of the country and I flew home on a different name, which is very difficult to do because they, the Interpol red notice and there's no direct flights from Bulgaria. I had to do true transit points in both France and St. Martin. And they almost got me in St. Martin again. And I had help from a former U S special forces person as well. Wow. Back. So, so um, if, if I might yeah. ask, how were you able to fly on a different name? Did they provide you with, uh, documents in somebody else's name? No, what I did was, um, you can't do this anymore. And even <laughs> after nine 11, it's pretty tricky. But I, one time, because I have, I have a nickname kudzu. Okay. And one time, uh, at a conference, they actually booked an airline ticket as kudzu. <laughs> oh gosh. Like kudzu Howard. And I didn't notice it till like the day I was flying and I'm like, Oh my God, I can't fly. 
So I went and I actually had it on my business card at the time and I got through with it. So I knew certain things you could get away with. Mm -hmm. So what we did was, um, you know, when Edward Snowden flew out, this was before Edward Snowden. So it wasn't like I'm copying him, but they booked him like 10 tickets out of Hong Kong to confuse everybody. So we booked a bunch of tickets in my real name and refundable to different places. Mm -hmm. And in the real ticket, we booked the very last minute. And we took my middle name. My middle name is Zachary. Okay. And so I flew as Zach as my first name. And then we like, um, I forget what else we did, but I flew as Zach and uh, I checked in and then didn't give me any problems. But by doing that, it didn't trip the Interpol notice when I went through. <sighs> wow. And we were just like, and then we booked all these other tickets to different destinations to, to throw them off. And um, yeah, and we, we had a little bit of help with too because um, the one of the federal prosecutors in Bulgaria had been basically jerked around by the, the U.S. Embassy. And she said that, I can't get rid of the passport block, but we knew that if you fly on a holiday, especially in Eastern Europe, because like on a, if you fly on like Christmas or New Year's on certain days, none of the senior people want to work because they want to be home. Sure. So they have elected junior people, and the junior people are usually drunk because they don't want to be there either. So we booked on a on a specific holiday when people really weren't paying attention when the senior when the junior people were there. And she said, listen, I can remove the block for 24 hours until they notice when they come back. And then they say when she comes back, when they come back the next day, it's not a holiday. They're going to notice. They're going to put the block back in. So you got to get out of the country in 24 hours. Wow. So I got out. And once I was out of Bulgaria, the U.S. Embassy was never notified. And um, I flew. They almost got me in St. Martin. But that's where I had friends. I uh, had a U.S. Special Forces, ex-U.S. Special Forces help me. And um, we ended up getting back. So uh, it, we actually had plans because I wasn't sure we could fly commercially and see what's happening was even after I got my passport back, they were trying to keep me in Bulgaria beyond because I could only be there for 90 days legally. Sure. And they were trying to keep me in the country and Bulgaria was ready to arrest me on day 91 and hold me again yep. for saying my visa, but I couldn't leave. And we actually had plans. We were looking at buying a sailboat. We were looking at sailboats. Um, we were looking at how to get out of the country. We were trying to fly across the Aegean with a helicopter to say we're going to have a sailboat come meet me on the other side of Italy. And this, I'm not joking about this. We were starting to call helicopters. We're like, listen, we just want you to take me across here to save, because it would save like two weeks, two to three weeks of sailing. Because mm-hmm. we had a narrow window to sail. Because otherwise you get a sail through the Bosphorus and through Greece and everything. And we, if we could skip over by helicopter, um, or like drop me in the ocean. And they're like, no, we can't do that. They're like, listen, just drop me in the ocean and I'll swim to the boat. There's a boat there. And none of the guys would do it because they're like, listen, we got to file paperwork. If we come back with one fewer passenger, they're going to notice. And it got to the point where we were calling different helicopter charter companies like, are you the guys trying to jump out of a helicopter? <laughs> and then one of the guys I was in prison with told me how to cross the Serbian border. He told me where there's a crossing where there's just an old guy up in the mountains. And he said, there's a dog. But if you take some hamburger and give it to the dog in the middle of the night, he plans to cross into Serbia. Because um, I was not going to get caught because the thing is. You know, I originally, when this originally started, I offered to go back, but then I saw the press coverage that they were doing to me and they were basically slandering me in the press. I mean, I was all over the newspapers. I was headline news all over the world. In my hometown, I was the headline several times Mm -hmm. and they were just making me out to be this huge thing. And then when they started calling me the American Taliban and I saw they bribed a police officer, we saw that something was really bad was going on. We had another plan that I was going to get to Russia across the Black Sea. We went down and we found a car, a small cargo port that wasn't very used. and just took small cargo ships in, like like fishermen and some small cargo ships. And we, uh, the portmaster there, he's like, "Well, if you bring me a case of, you know, case of alcohol, 
<clears throat> I'll just go use a toilet. And um, there's a fisherman who will take you out to a Russian ship. And I know the captain. And he'll take you over to Russia. And so I was going to get into Russia legally. And since my wife was a Russian lawyer, and then we were going to take care of it from there. Um, we had quite a few plans. Another plan was I had been going through the satellite maps. And I found a way that I could walk into Greece. And I know a little bit of Greek because we lived in Cyprus. Mm-hmm. And I had another guy that lived in Greece on one of the islands. And he had the same problem with the U.S. government, that they basically screwed him over his custody, although not as bad as mine. And he lived in Greece, and the Greek government was basically on his side, so he had no problem. But he knew the local prosecutor, and he says, get into Greece, and then come down, and we can get you to the island. And once you get here, we've already made a deal with the prosecutor. He'll just basically deport you, and you fly back, straight back to St. Kitts, and the American authorities will never notice. And by the time you're back in St. Kitts, you'll have already been deported. So we had that plan. Um, we, had, we had a whole lot of plans, and these were all serious plans. We spent pretty much every weekend going down to the ports and looking at boats and talking to boat owners and checking them out. And we had this one guy that was willing to sail with me. He just hung out at this club and he's like bored. He's like, yeah, $10,000 and I get to go to the Caribbean. Yeah. What's the problem? (laughs) (laughs) problem It it was like winter and you can't sail across the ocean in the winter because the the seas are too rough. She's like, no, he's like, I sail all the time to Greece and there's ports down there. They won't ask any questions. We go down and hang out three months and we, Pay the guy and they won't do anything. But it was risky stuff we were looking at doing. But I was not going to go back because I saw what they were doing to me. Um, but the simplest solution ended up being flying commercial. But had none of that worked, and had they tried to arrest me on day 91, we did have plans in place. I was also, we had another plan that I was going to go, we had some gypsies that I was going to go live in a gypsy village for a while. And they were going <laughs> to hold me for like three or six months and just keep me in the gypsy village. And, you know, we had all kinds of plans in place. I, I, I want to... I'm looking for somebody to help me write a book. I want to write like a made for Hollywood book where it's like 75% true and 25% other things. Yes. But the story by itself could make itself because I mean, we had all these plans in place. Uh, This was actually, I was going to suggest that this, I mean, this is perfect for, uh, for entertainment purposes. I mean, to, to write a book and then have it optioned as a movie. I mean, this it's, it's fascinating and tragic all at the same time. Um, but I actually may know someone, uh, who specializes in, uh, writing people's life stories with them. I'll, I'll put you guys in touch after today because Please. yeah and, and i also know some publishers <laughs> i know a couple, Please, couple of I, I, just for my context doing this yeah want to get i mean but even like bulgarian prison i mean i was arrested by i mean i woke up one more in my hotel and uh four armed interpol agents arrested me in my hotel mm-hmm. um they took me out in front of all the conference speakers everybody saw me it was big news in bulgaria and then you know the fb the uh they sent people from the U.S. Embassy to interrogate me. And then, you know, I ended up in the prisons, and then I was transferred between prisons. And, you know, <laughs> the only thing that really saved me is because I was put in a, um, a room with other foreigners, but they didn't speak English. Mm-hmm. One guy was Serbian, one guy was Bulgarian, and one guy was Armenian. And the only thing that saved me is I spoke Russian. Mm. So, Wild, wild. Well, uh, I yeah. used to play cockroach games. Oh, God, what is that? <laughs> Oh, we had all kinds of different things with cockroaches. Like they, we would take. I thought about like making a maze and see if, but they they just climbed over the walls. But we like did tractor pulls. You like tape things to the roaches back and see how much they could pull. <laughs> you could cook with cockroaches. You can like take two cans, and because cockroaches are so full of oil, you can put one empty can and you can put like coffee or stew in it, and then you can put something in the bottom and you can burn cockroaches because they're so oily. Oh my god! 
Oh my god! <laughs> there are cockro- I mean, there are cockro- I, I used to work when I was when I was younger. I worked for Orkin, so I mean, I've seen cockroaches. Yeah, yeah. But I, that that prison was so infested. I'm pretty sure that if they ever kill the cockroaches, the prison's going to fall down because the cockroaches are holding it up. I used to have to sleep. I put socks on my hands at night. Yeah, and put like a shirt over my head like this, and just you know was just my nose sticking out to try and keep the cockroaches off us. Yeah. One of the guys, because I snore if I'm on my back or side. I forget however it was. And one of the guys, Bardo, he's like, you know, he's like, listen, turn on your side so you don't snore. And Nikolai's like, no, turn where you snore because you scare the roaches away. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> oh, so good. So good. Oh, man. All right. Well, Chad, we are almost at the end of the program. I, I always like, uh, well, let me let me actually just give a shout out to the final sponsors of the show. Uh, first of all, my friends at onenessdrops.com. This is the chlorine dioxide supplier that sponsors the program. Uh, as I said earlier, chlorine dioxide is colloquially known as the universal antidote. Uh, and uh, this is definitely something that I would suggest everybody have in their kit, whether it's their, I don't know, the, your, your go bag, your uh, your emergency kit, your camping supplies, because it makes non-potable water safe to drink. It makes uh, totally dirty water something that you can put in your body and you won't die. Now, if uh, things go wrong, obviously you want to have the ability to make your own fresh, clean water. And when you go to onenessdrops.com in the link in the description box below, you can use code RP78 to save 15% off every single order. I highly suggest doing that. If you have any questions, you can send me an email. I have a whole bunch of information on chlorine dioxide that I can send to you. Also, my friends at uh, preparewithredpill78.com, that would be my Patriot Supply. You can get a three-month supply of emergency food for 25% off right now. These are up to 21 different types of food, breakfast, lunches, and dinners. They, they're they good for 25 years. Uh, very nutritious, over 2,000 calories a day. Perfect thing also to have on hand if things go bad. And then, of course, my friend Mike Lindell at MyPillow.com. You can use code RP78 to save up to 80 percent off everything on the shop, whether it's the MyPillow mattress, the MyPillow mattress topper, the Giza dream sheets, the slippers, the bathrobes, uh, and uh, of course, the, the towels and the pillows. So check out MyPillow.com. And uh, and of course, don't forget about C60 Evo, Red Pill 78, excuse me, C60Evo.com forward slash Red Pill 78. They'll be back soon, and you guys can ask them uh, your questions about the benefits of C60 Evo. But Chad, I always like to ask my guests at the end of the program, what would you really like the audience to take away from tonight's conversation? Don't trust your government. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's so much worse than, you know, Edward Snowden revealed so much, a lot of the stuff we suspected, but it's just, you know, it's, I thought that I would tell this story and be like, oh my gosh, here's a story of FBI corruption. And instead I get, the FBI wouldn't do that. But the FBI does stuff like this all the time. And I'm just hoping that somebody will run with this. There's one more cockroach story I want to tell you, by the way. Okay. You can also use cockroaches for, because in, in prison, you're not, allowed, you're not allowed to have cards or poker chips because gambling's illegal. Um, but you can use dead cockroaches as poker chips, but you need to make sure they're dead. Otherwise, your kit will walk away. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, that's so right. Uh, also, EJM Jensen over on Rumble said, Zach, tell him more about chlorine dioxide. Yes, I'll happily send you all of the information I have about chlorine dioxide after the show. Uh, so I just want to say thank you very much to everybody for hanging out with us tonight. Thank you, of course, Chad, for being here and sharing your story. Thank you for your bravery and uh, your uh, your intestinal fortitude for putting up with all this stuff. I think uh, lesser men might have folded by now or at least called the CIA and said, hell, I'll do whatever you want me to do just so that I don't have to keep living like this. Uh, so hopefully we've got some feds watching the show tonight. So uh, maybe somebody will do the right thing and perhaps help you get your name cleared. So at the very least, you can travel to go where you need to for your medical care. Uh, so check out alexisnotmissing.com. Also check out uh, all of his social media links, which are right there. You've got links to TikTok, Instagram. He's got a Telegram group that you can join as well. Uh, there is literally hours and hours of content and uh, stories related to this story that you can check out there. So Alex, uh, I'm sorry, <laughs> uh, uh, Chad, thank you. And uh, also to say thank you to Alex uh, as well. And uh, hopefully we'll have you back again in the future. If there's any updates on this, uh, then I'll be happy to help you get it out there. We've got some big news in the progress, but as you can understand in my situation, revealing news before it's ready could put me in, in physical danger. But yeah. hopefully in a couple months, we'll have some big news that should give the FBI a pretty big black eye, but I still need help. All right. Yeah. Well, I'll be here for you. And like I said, I'll get you in touch with uh, my other friends in the industry as well. So don't go anywhere. We're going to say goodbye. We're going to uh, play the closing credits. And uh, you and I will talk after this. And uh, everybody at home, awesome. make sure you're here tomorrow at 9 p.m. We have another exciting guest, and uh, I'll tell you who that is tomorrow. So. Until next time, good luck and God bless. We'll see you tomorrow.
When it comes to stubborn belly fat, we're all searching for a miracle pill. Generally, you have to use multiple products that target belly fat differently to manage excess weight around the stomach. Some products may focus on abdominal exercises or dietary changes, while others might focus on boosting metabolism or controlling cravings. But believe it or not, I may have found a solution that removes the need for juggling through multiple weight management products. It's called Belly Trim, and it's more effective at targeting belly fat, enhancing metabolism, and promoting a toned midsection better than most weight management products I've seen typically found on store shelves. Tens of thousands of five-star reviews back up the notion that Belly Trim is not only a breakthrough in a bottle, but that it also removes the need for us to use countless diet pills and fat-burning supplements. But there's more. If you place your order for Belly Trim now, you'll also receive 51% off free VIP live health and fitness coaching for life, two free new e-books titled Top 10 Foods That Burn Belly Fat, and Top 10 Exercises to Reduce Belly Fat, a 60-day satisfaction guarantee, and last but not least, free shipping. Simply go to www.trimwithus.com. That's www.trimwithus.com to take advantage of this limited-time deal before they sell out. Once again, that's www.trimwithus.com. Order now. Energy bills are rising at a historic rate, and there's no end in sight. Talk to enough people, and you'll soon realize nearly everyone's shocked at their recent electricity bills. Some studies reveal energy costs have skyrocketed by as high as 60% in as little as two years. That's why tens of thousands are installing this magical little device from SavePowerBills.com to help slash their energy bills. This sophisticated gadget stabilizes electrical currents, reduces dirty electricity, and helps protect your appliances and electronics. Simply plug it into your home's wall outlet to help lower energy consumption and ultimately help reduce your power bills every month. Countless five-star reviews back up the notion that this device is one of the most efficient ways to save money while beating the greedy power companies. But there's more. If you order now, you'll also receive 65% off, fast shipping within the USA, hassle-free returns, and last but not least, a 60-day satisfaction guarantee. Just go to SavePowerBills.com to take advantage of this limited-time deal before they sell out. Once again, that's SavePowerBills.com. Violent crime across the U.S. has skyrocketed. Just recently, a politician was carjacked by three armed attackers outside his home in Washington, D.C. This comes several months after another politician was assaulted in the elevator of her building. Between mass shootings, kidnappings, burglaries, and carjackings, it's never been more vital to learn how to protect yourself. This is why tens of thousands are choosing the Fighter Flare Flashlight. The Fighter Flare Flashlight has awed people with a wonderful design and massive light output. On top of an ultra-bright 800-lumen light, it boasts powerful strobe lighting modes for self-defense, a glass breaking hammer, a built-in power bank, solar-powered recharging, rope cutter, siren, and much more. Countless five-star reviews back up the notion that this flashlight is the latest and greatest in the EDC market. But there's more. If you place your order for the Fighter Flare flashlight now, you'll also receive 66% off, free express shipping, and last but not least, a 100% lifetime guaranteed replacement. Simply go to www.fighterflare.com to take advantage of this limited-time deal before they sell out. www.fighterflare.com. Order now.